was this mysterious figure. Boba Fett! Will he save Princess Lear or side with Darth Vader? It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains. And uh, that it essentially... Uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy. And it's about people. It's about... Fin it's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great taste, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over and dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello there and welcome to episode 2 of Generation Skywalker's Guide to Palatoy. I'm Dan Burgess and thank you for joining us for this second in a series of three Those Old Fossils specials where we're continuing our celebration of Palatoy and the Star Wars products they released in the UK from 1978 to 1985. In a previous episode of the Palatoy Guide we've already covered 1978 to 79 and in this episode we'll be stepping into the 80s and covering 1980 to 1982. Picking up from where we left off we'll be working our way through the products by year, laying out the release continuity of the period and consolidating available information, providing insight into what was happening behind the scenes at Palatoy. And joining me on this journey once again, we have regular Generation Skywalker host Peter Lee. Good evening, Dan. Good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Pete, split belly or solid belly? Oh, solid, uh, solid belly. And special guest host John Aves. How are you doing, John? Hi, guys. Battle damaged <laughs> or non-battle damaged? Non-battle damaged. And a man in a new forest. It's day three. Action man. Action man. From Palatoy. Dave, Star Wars or Action Man? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just trolling me now. Um, no, each has their own unique qualities and each has their own flaws. I, I will not be baited into this. I love them all. And once again, Craig will be dropping in throughout the episode to discuss the items that went beyond the toys as well as the advertising. Fellas, the last episode felt like a great summing up of the late 70s, but before we slide into the 1980s, is there anything we missed or that we want to readdress from the previous show? I know there's a couple of bits you know, that I missed when we went through our list of items that weren't released in the UK. There was the Star Wars vinyl case. We missed that out. And also an electric toothbrush. Oh, <laughs> Dan, 
How can you miss the toothbrush? Apparently, it was a carded one for Empire as well. But yeah, I think we'll. Um... I'm still pondering about the palatory issue versus the Dennis Fisher issue, where we're like saying with a 12 inch. Yeah, were the like the Luke and Leia from 80 onwards or not? I, I, I that one still vexes me, and I honestly I haven't done anything about it. <laughs> yeah, <but> like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I've decided, Dave. So, so I've created a a list from the last episode that I'm going to call Palatoy Puzzlers, things that we haven't got an answer for, and I'm sure we're going to add more to that list. That's really great. And then any anybody can like chime in on on like the Facebook pages or or otherwise, because no one person can claim credit and knowledge of everything. You, You know. It's impossible. This yeah. this whole thing, you know, created more merchandise than anything else. You you literally can't. You know, we all we all have like little pockets, of areas of interest, and in what we we pick up and learn off one another. But like, if anybody can, you know, shed light on some of this stuff, mm. you know, it 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 then helps grow to make the thing, you know, even more definitive than it already is. So. Yeah, let, let, let's get some healthy debates on. Let, let's spark up uh, more about the toothbrushes. Where did we go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you said yes. you um, were going to speak to a Palatine employee or something. Uh, well, a guy, yeah, a guy called John Holmes me- uh, messaged us. Okay. Reckons, I haven't got the notes in front of me now, but he reckons he worked on the line and he was there at the time. And wow, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't elaborated any more than that at the moment. But he said he was okay. going to listen to the show, so maybe nice. by the time we record the third one, he'll um he'll, he'll share some insights. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this is one for Pete and Dave, really, because we've already established on the first show that John never got to see Empire in the cinema because he's only 21. But did either of you, <laughs> and do you remember the new toys coming out ahead of the movie? I don't remember seeing it at the cinema. I've been trying to remember seeing it, but I must have done. So I'd be six, six sort of in the 80s. I've certainly been kind of getting that way of getting to sort of go and see movies at the cinema but yeah I certainly remember the toys coming out I remember getting my Falcon for Christmas I've got vivid memories of that which is pretty good and I remember the Hamleys going up to London before Christmas which would have been it would have been 80 or 81 going up and there I remember having a huge Star Wars window as I guess they probably did many years in that period and I remember the Yoda figure being a major sort of release and the sort of a secret and I remember that was sort of popping up out of the display ever so often so you didn't see it the whole time and I remember that being being quite a thing and the Boba Fett release as well and the card I don't remember the mail away but I remember the card release of that being quite a thing so it's it's weird I've sort of looked online for those sort of Hamley's window photos you think they'd be there but they're just not there's no you get the odd Hamley's shot you can find on some of the sort of the, the photo agency sites but you can't find any of the the Star Wars windows which is disappointing I'm sure they exist somewhere but not on in the public domain I do remember seeing it and I saw it in Swansea so I mentioned in the last episode that my first memory of getting a Star Wars figure although it wasn't my first figure my first memory was getting 2-1-B and I mentioned we were on holiday in Swansea my my father used to work on uh, power stations installing like the turbine so he was always travelling sort of project manager on different power stations and it, it felt like for about two three years we'd go, always go on holiday in a caravan in Swansea because <laughs> he was at like some power station near there but I do remember seeing it and it was the the vivid shot of the Atats, just literally was so impressionable on me. I had seen Star Wars, but I was just too young to remember because I'm I'm the youngest of three. But I do remember seeing Empire and just being completely blown away. I don't remember the toys necessarily, but I I was very lucky as a kid that my parents would encourage each of us to try and read, and for me. 
that was in the form of comic books. So I would get a comic on a sort of subscription basis. Um, so I'd be getting Empire Strikes Back and sort of like, you used to get like these comic bundles in, in news agents where they would like chuck in like Avengers or um, Spider-Man and polybagged with like Empire Strikes Back. Like older issues, but like it would be three comics for 30p or something like that to like get rid of backstock. And I'd always end up with quite a few of those. So it was, it was never less necessarily a linear storyline it was all like disjointed but i'd be picking up being impressed upon through the comic books and the adverts that were in the comic books because star wars toys weren't just in the empire strikes back comic you'd find it in in various different comics and i'd say that was more impressionable to me than any tv advertising or going into toy stores and seeing store displays or anything like that For, for me the the gateway to hooking me on was the comic book adverts. So, should we get back in the DeLorean? When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Into 1980 then, so the biggest single of the year was Don't Stand So Close To Me by The Police. The biggest album of the year was Super Trooper from ABBA. On the TV, Bond had the biggest ratings with Live and Let Die entertaining 23.5 million Brits, starting a trend with movies topping the TV ratings for the next few years. And in the cinema, Empire Strikes Back was number one, scoring £11.3 million at the UK box office. In this profitable business, there are signs that Britain is learning some of the rules. But in the end, no matter how good the script, how successful the pre-sales and the marketing, there is always the risk your picture will flop. When The Empire Strikes Back opens next month, will the audiences who marvelled at Star Wars find that the stream of space adventure lookalikes which have followed have now made us tired of the whole business? I think the worst thing in this business is to follow the trends. And I think you chase a trend and you lose. there's one exception, and that's Star Wars. It's very doubtful that it will equal the intensity of the impact. I think it's sort of all blown out in that one big one. And all the others that come along, whether it's in our series or anything to do with fantasy or science fiction, will never be that big. But uh, I think this is the one. This is the one that people are going to look at and say either terrific, when's the next one, or nice try, too bad you didn't make it. Next month? Everyone will know what that verdict is. But tonight, as the British film industry asks itself whether making profits for foreigners is the best it can now expect, we can remind ourselves of what that industry is capable of producing. Empire Strikes Back would see its royal premiere on the 20th of May 1980 before rolling out across the country over the summer. The five months leading up to the release saw the hype continue to build, but Palatoy were ready with new product this time ahead of the film's release. So on that note, Dave, is there any insight you can give us to what was happening in Palatoy back in 1980? Yeah, there, there was actually a lot of changes going on. So towards the end of the decade, Palatoy was riding high with Action Man. Action Man! From Palatoy. Winning Toy of the Decade. He had huge success with the launch of Star Wars. And that really 
propelled things in a different way. And it was it was good for turnover, but it was also potentially cannibalizing their own markets as well, because they already had the number one boys toy and you had things that were potentially harming sales of Action Man because of the whole new scale of Star Wars. But there was also a lot of other changes going on. We touched on briefly in the first episode that Palatoy's parent company was General Mills. And General Mills had a lot of toy interests and, and companies across the board. And towards the end of the 70s, they started to amalgamate all of their British toy interests. So bringing it all, all under one umbrella to create the Palatoy Company as as the main title. But it brought in Dennis Fisher, Palatoy, Chad Valley. So, so that was acquired. That was bought new edition, and Chad Valley was added to it, as was Airfix. And, and anybody who's outside of the UK, Airfix is a model company. So they would be reissuing MPC kits, but also their bread and butter is really World War Two. So like so your Spitfires and your Messerschmitts and things like that. The Palatoy Company acquired like Airfix into into the mix as well. And there was a few other like sort of minor sort of like subsidiary bits and pieces and things like that. But it was start of that globalization rather than having regional distribution and different like toy companies as well. So this did come sadly with some drawbacks. You had a potentially fair amount of duplication, which would lead to a an initial round of redundancies. I do know from interviews that I've done with former Dennis Fisher employees, there was a little bit of resentment there. It's probably the best way to, to label it because if Star Wars was given to them whole and whole, you know, could things have been different? But I think with, with all things, you start off with a great thing and then by the time you get to the end of its, its run, it's not the same company or, or, or the same group of people that it was at the start. So it, 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 it's almost like a bit of a natural cycle of things. It was like the, the first of a few layoffs, the, uh, the, the Palatoy side of things. And then equally at the same time, there was more interconnectivity happening with European partners as well. So rather than Meccano and Clipper and General Mills in distributing in Germany, they were then also being slightly restructured to work with under the Palatoy company under the UK leadership. So they still had their own autonomy because of the, the geographical differences, but General Mills was just structuring this whole thing. So like you had Kenner consumer products stateside, they were almost creating the similar sort of like size thing over here for Europe. And that consolidation of, of UK toy companies, we saw similar things, obviously you mentioned in Europe. So there's that story about the, the guys all from Palatoy all going out to Paris to meet with Kenner and Meccano and do presentations and a carousel of slides getting spilt by Meccano and Palatoy within a day. When, when, when is that happening in terms of this timeline? Do you know? Because I'm guessing that the the outcome of that meant this is why we started seeing Palatoy logos disappear. Yeah, so so if you think of where we went from there, because we at, through this particular period you're seeing a lot more Kenner products being distributed into the UK market anyway. But it's really all pointing towards tri-logo packaging. So like a common yeah. packaging design that is one product that can be distributed anywhere. So you're not necessarily having to do regional printing, regional assembly and distribution. It's just like it's one pallet of whatever, where do you need it shipped to yeah. uh, for like a distribution centre. And that was where it was 
really heading towards in terms of exact time and dates mm. of when these things were taking place. I don't. We could just make assumptions, sorry. really. None of this happened overnight. And equally, there was still restructuring still yet to come within Palatoy that would affect it with a couple more redundancies still to come. So you could sort of see that it was like continuous tweaking. It was it just restricted to Palatoy that that restructuring, or was it covering everything that they did in terms uh, of the different toy lines? So that that that's a good question to ask. So there's there's actually quite a few things that are always in development. Again, if you could like remove yourself from just purely Star Wars, General Mills isn't like a toy company. General Mills is a food stuff company that may have been someone within there going, do we want to have toy companies within our portfolio? It, you know, does it does it work when we're doing cereals and stuff like that? Um, do we want toy companies the outside of the world that we don't really have direct control over? We have people that can, you know, help influence things, but like we don't really have total control to like really like steer with the game but you've also got like technological changes as well you know we've got a lot of manufacturing hubs like opening up all around the world and then also outside you know we always look back at star wars being the biggest thing ever and in many respects it really was but within the toy market not quite at this point in 1980 but you are starting to have the advent of the video game boom, which for the early part of the 80s was really starting to like take off. And then all of, all of a sudden, there were certain people going, well, toys are dead. You know, we need, you know, look at what's going on with Atari. We need to do our version of Atari. So you have all of these things like springing up, like in television, Coleco and what have you. And it was almost like this gold rush that was like seen as a, as a bigger thing. You know, we can get one of these in every home over toy action figures and things like that because you're, you're selling games, you know, and hardware, not necessarily like these things where you just got to continuously think of something new. So you had like a lot of different market forces going on. And then within the UK, itself we're at a point of civil unrest you know so there's like changes going on so there's a lot of environmental factors there's technological factors and there's economic and political factors all all sort of like changing these things i don't think it was necessarily because of star wars that they decided to like restructure these things but i think that they were just looking at how do we streamline this because yeah. either we want cut the fat a little bit streamline things to make it more profitable or or get it set up for for, for some kind of sale the Empire Strikes Back. The Star Wars saga continues. The Rebels are there. And I'm sure Skywalker's with me. He will join us or die. The Rebel forces battle the Empire and Darth Vader. Join me. Don't make me destroy you. The Empire Strikes Back. I should have thought about the running order a bit more because you're up again, Dave, now doing the Boba Fett mail-away offer. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the first thing that we had was our first sort of glimpse into a new character from Empire Strikes Back was the Boba Fett promotion. And similar to the United States, it's like a tease of this character. But we didn't get him on a Star Wars card, but we did get him as a mail-away promotion at the point of like the, the launch of Empire Strikes Back. Now, they did this in a number of different ways. And this is where Palatoy really played to a lot of their strengths. You had this ingenious 
comic book advert with this beautiful, almost like an isometric view of the action figure to make him really imposing airbrushed artwork of the action figure so it wasn't like a photograph it was it was an airbrush and then you had like all like these annotated bits on it it's like saying you know uh, this is his blaster this is his knee darts these are his rocket packs this is his viewfinder and then saying Boba Fett works for the highest bidder he can be yours cut out your nameplates send in a major new character in Empire Strikes Back and it's like so exciting it's like what is this but like you're, you're given enough information even if you don't know how he fits in or, or where he comes into it you've got like this incredible advert that was literally every single week in the comics 2000 AD and, 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 and what have you the weekly comics it was in the monthly comics you know, they they did spend a lot of money getting this out there to support that there was a TV advert as well quite a famous one I am pretty sure it's, it's Dave Prowse doing the, the voiceover because he just goes Darth Vader um, <laughs> <laughs> Bob um, yeah there's some cool uh, concepts in there Princess Leia is being held captive between a salt pepper grinder and it's all on your kitchen top and you've got like all of the, the figures around but a really sneaky element is they do a close-up of the i love this you've done this at celebration and i never knew this in 2019 yeah. in chicago but go on sorry and it's not even the action figure it's the 12 inch doll that's been repainted so those who are unfamiliar the 12 inch doll of boba fett his, his prevailing colors are green on the action figure it's blue so they repainted the 12 inch doll blue so they could do like a close-up of yep. the the action figure for the for the purposes of the advert. Now they could be done for <laughs> you know false advertising on that one because it's not it's not a reflection of the, the the actual product. And that then same figure appeared in a competition as a black and white photo. I think it was for a 2000 AD or something like that. But it's it, it's the repainted 12 inch Boba Fett that they then put into win a Boba Fett doll and, and what have you but it, it, it's the it's the painted one you can tell just purely even on a black and white photograph because of the the, the contrast it you know it should be much darker than it actually is but it's, it's just really cool that they they and this is what I mean Palator using their their skills to like try and you know create the sizzle to make you want this and make it like really quite exciting so you would cut out your nameplates for any anyone outside of the UK the mail-away offers and how you redeem them varied from country to country in the United States. You would cut out the long play pop, the proof of purchase, which is like a little circle. But in the UK, you would cut out the nameplate in the middle of the card. So where it would say, you know, Luke Skywalker, you would cut that nameplate out. And that was how you redeemed for your mail-away premiums in the UK. So a lot of Palatoy cards and loose card backs are quite often just found with like these nameplates like cut out because everybody had to get them and the the idea behind it was like you're a bounty hunter you're collecting their names you know you're you're, you're capturing them to redeem them for your your bounty be it whatever it is that you're you're redeeming them for but the third thing that they also did was also point of sale promotion in toy shops so they had like these little leaflets sort of postcard sized leaflets that were revisions of the comic book advert so again when you're in the toy shop you'd pick up one of these leaflets that you could take away or maybe one was put in your bag and it would be informing you about this whole new character uh, ahead of like the Empire Strikes Back so it was, almost, it was like a three pronged attack to get 
get kids' attention onto these things. And it was very successful. It was very good. I've never really been into the mail-aways as, as something, as a, as a collector. So I would not know how rare a UK mail-away Boba Fett is. But it is Palatoy tax plus Boba Fett tax equals probably incredibly expensive and probably very, very rare as well. And then from there, it was like the start, a good active program of direct-to-consumer sales by Palatoy. When you send off for that Fett over here, I think the, the Fett you got was in a Star Wars D baggie. It's like a soft American baggie, mm. and that, that's what turned up. It just says Made in Hong Kong on it. Of, of the three elements of the, the actual baggie, the box and the flyer, at one point that flyer was really tough but then there was a big find of those flies i don't know if you guys know a dealer found a load of them and he was sort of like releasing a few at a time so they're a lot more guessable today but that box that unique it's like a tall skinny white fat box that's probably the toughest thing to get of the three elements the, the only thing better than that would be to get one that's got like a uk stamp and mailer address on it that's what the the baggy collectors they all want that but yeah they're extremely rare it's great that they did it i think it's it's like you say it's a great way to to market the film and get it out there and various yeah. other offers through empire and then into return of the jedi as well it's <laughs> great a bit of hype doesn't it well I, I'll, I'll i'll just share this as well so this is coming right off the back of as as of time and recording over the weekend it was rollout roll call which is a show that i do which is all for transformers and gi joe because of the 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 interest that Palatoy did and their contribution to both Action Man, Action Man from Palatoy, and over here Action Force, which then later became like GI Joe. I've been to the states several times. I've had the privilege of presenting the sort of Palatoy side of things on those brands for JoeCon, and that's through the GI Joe Collectors Club and online Hasbro. And I got to meet several times an amazing individual, a chap called Kirk Bazigin, who was the head of boys toys marketing for Hasbro. And again, if, if you look at like where we have like all our sort of heroes of like toy history and, and toy design, Kirk is right up there and he is like a master of manipulation because he said he loves all the toys. You know, he's very passionate about G.I. Joe, but he, he said, you know, they were crooks. You know, they were out there to brainwash as many kids as possible into buying Hasbro product. Because if they didn't, they'd be buying Mattel product. And if they weren't, they'd be buying Kenner product. So he's very, very open and quite insightful. But I don't know if you guys remember, there was always a tagline of please allow 28 days for delivery on pretty much everything that you sent away for. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And Kirk was explaining that that wasn't really necessarily something that was indicative of the time back then of receiving, you know, the promotion, processing it, packing it and sending it out. It wasn't really... You you know, th th these things didn't take four weeks. It was actually more to do with studies on child behaviour that to keep someone engaged on something, after four weeks, they're starting to like be distracted by other things. So if you then receive through the post something that, in inverted commas, was free, it renewed your interest. And then from the parent's perspective, you just got something, again, in inverted commas, for free. It wasn't free, but like you've forgotten about that because you, you paid for it a month ago and you were more likely statistically to go down the toy shop and then purchase another toy off the back of that because you got something free to then go with it and then you are renewing that kid's interest in whatever that product is to keep them engaged with it and keep them buying that product over something else and you're there going oh my god 
like, and, and the thing is, when he's when he's describing some of the psychological tactics and stuff like that, you actually already know it. You you know it, but he's all he's doing is sort of like just connecting the dots for you, and you're like, oh my gosh, and he, and this is where he like comes from saying that you know they are you know all, all toy companies are master manipulators. Yeah, I don't know. So I remember when we was at, at Father's from in the summer 2023 when Bob was there and he was giving his talk, and he was talking about they used to analyze children's voices when they were playing with the toys, could gain from that how engaged they were in it, how excited they were for it. So it's mad to think back then the sort of stuff you'd expect to be happening now with like AI and they were already kind of doing that. Oh yeah. It's a bit bit scary we, really. <laughs> what do you what do you've got to remember within the toy industry? And again, you've got to remove ourselves out of the equation at this current point in time. How do you get someone's attention to get them to want it and then get someone else to pay for it? If if you if you think about that process about what you've got to get through, you know, for us it's easy. We just go out and buy it. Kirk said part of the, the thing with adult collectors now of us all being into Star Wars with respect to this they did their job so well on impressionable minds that it stayed you know and that's why we're doing what we're doing now because of the effect of the the advertising that they were doing the psychological abuse you mean yeah 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 (laughs) he said that they were you know they had parental groups like lobbying them and they were trying to uh, Nancy Reagan was involved at one point and they were trying to like find ways of you know circumventing toy advertising that that process within the, the whole toy industry and it doesn't matter what it is if it's like Star Wars figures or if it's Barbie or if it's Lego it's still the same process and it's it is really genuinely quite manipulative <laughs> Um, fascinating bit of manipulation though and it works yeah 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 oh yeah yeah definitely. fascinating <laughs> to hear that yeah. amazing yeah same with the collect them all you're being sort of ordered to to, to do it it's kind of like on every single card back collect them all and yeah, it doesn't say so, buy them all it says collect yeah. them all so so again that is another masterclass in packaging design it's the cross sell right so you've got every product on there sometimes have a child in the picture uh, and that's helping parents get an idea for scale. You also then have the vehicles. Uh, the vehicles will then also uh, on, on the card back. And then if it's a vehicle you're buying, the vehicle will have the packing catalogue. And again, all of this is, is just mild manipulation. Mm. You've got collect them all, like you said, Pete. That is not saying this is what's there. It's like literally telling you, go collect them. We're now getting clip and save you're saving the packaging it's as much about product as the the action figure because you're trying to keep hold of these to redeem these for potential like future offers with other toy lines like masters of the universe you'd have the packing comic that'd be all about that particular character with gi joe you would have the file card which would give you the bio and they'd even have a cut line going all the way around the file card it's telling you to cut it up and save it you know keep it transformers at it too didn't they yeah transformers the tech specs yeah yeah exactly that it's all done in ways to really draw your eye you know on a on a on a peg on a shelf how do you get this thing to stand out and draw your eye to it the sort of science that's employed on these things and you break it all down you, again, you, there, there is the whole manipulation there on the packaging. And you don't really get that today because... They're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not so much that. I, a, lot, a lot of toy companies have forgotten how to market. I mean, the, the, the textbook was written on toy marketing in this area that we're, we're covering on these three episodes. Like literally the late 70s going into the mid 80s 
was when toy marketing was the rule book was written and they just don't go back and, and refer to it they don't think about it at all and some of it is because of legislation like you're saying Dan because you've got to have like multilingual things everywhere but e- equally at the same time people that they employ think that they know better and they really don't because when the people then say oh there's been Star Wars fatigue or kids don't buy toys Yes, they do, but you're just doing it wrong. No one's ever been fatigued by Star Wars. Hasbro do not sell volumes that they sold when there was no movies. So how can you say there's fatigue? If you want kids that you're running around going crazy, you give them a super circle and a Nerf gun. They still want to play with these things, but like if you're not reaching out and coming up with new ways to get, then they're not going to be interested. You know, they got unlimited entertainment at their fingertips. Why would something that's like half hearted effort you know why do you think that that's going to capture their attention the fundamentals are still the same but people aren't literally going back to the looking at what worked but going back to chicago i never knew about that 12 inch fat in lockdown i bought a knackered fat with all intentions of doing a doing a bit of a paint job on it but it's still sat in a box Oh, three years later, I won't be done. Someone needs what, to do please, it. Please do that, because I've never seen anybody do one. I, I think it would be well, great. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't going to do it myself. My wife's quite artistic, so I was going <laughs> to employ her to do it. We never got around to it. Yes, never been found. There was someone that I spoke to who seemed to think it ended up along with the remains of the design department stuff that went to the Museum of Childhood, uh, which is part of the Victoria and Albert Museum. But... I've been up there several times and going through stuff on, on like their Palatoy stuff. And, and that started back in the mid 2000s doing the Celebration Europe exhibit and that. I've never come across that. So uh, it, it's probably one of those things that's kind of just lost to the sands of time. As far as I'm aware, there was, it was nothing unique. It's just repainted because the close up shot was going to be better than the action figure. It'd be easy to do, right? Because you just, well, you just got to paint the whole thing blue and then do the overfed details, and which a lot of it's already there anyway. So you're just painting over certain yeah. sections of it. But yeah, just never got the time, Dave. But one day, <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely get on it. I'd, I'd love to see it because I, I, I think, would. I think yeah, it'd be nice. It. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Christmas, Christmas project. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll see. I don't know if it'll be this year, but yeah, one day. Maybe if we have another pandemic, I'll make it a priority. <laughs> <laughs> Palatoy present Star Wars Toys. The princess has been captured. Our heroes are on their way. But who is this mysterious figure? Boba Fett! Will he save Princess Lear or side with Darth Farder? See comics and toy shops for details of Boba Fett's special offer now. He's waiting. Shall we move on to some action figures then, then, John? We've got the 38 to cover for 1980. Yes, indeed. So the only figures that came out on the 38 were the first 10. You had Luke Skywalker in his Bespin fatigue and Princess Leia Bespin. You had Han Hoth. You had Lando, the Rebel Soldier. You had the Imperial Stormtrooper in Hoth Battle Gear. The Bespin Security Guard. You had FX-7 Boss. And you had IG-88. And it seems that they didn't release all 10 at the same time they initially released six and then they released the full 10 so the last four came slightly later and i'm 
basically referencing the Chad Bally 1980 retail catalogue. So there were like three batch numbers. Each batch was like a master card of 48 figures. And the first batch number was Treble 346. And that was for the original 20 Star Wars action figures. And then you had Treble 347, which was the brand new first six Empire figures. And then Treble 348, which was all 10. And it, it said available later. It seems that these first came out in around... July, August, and I, I don't know exactly what the first six were, but doing a bit of homework and speaking to some guys, it, it seems that Luke Bespin, Leia Bespin, Han Hoff, the Hoth Trooper, and the Rebel Soldier were five of the first six it seems because the guys said they remember getting the others later on and they weren't available so that may tie in because today the, the, the four not mentioned seem to be the toughest four to find could be a case of they made a lot more of the other characters because they're more like main characters obviously Luke, Khan, Leia so on and yeah the, these ten were available for the remainder of 1980 the other four then to just be clear then what were the four you think were the second batch or the, um, to be honest, or the third batch sorry? possibly IG-88 boss FX-7 and best and security guard but right, okay. again another collector I spoke to said that he he heard that the Lando was a late release so it, it could be Lando could be one of those last four to be released but no, nobody's been definitive on it but certainly I, I'd say we, we're pretty sure bet that the you know Luke Leia Bespin and so on they were in the original six, the first six that came out. That card back is one of the best, I think, isn't it? The image on the back of it. It's, to it's to me, it's, card, isn't it? it's my favourite card back of, of all of them. I mean, it is so unique. It's, I mean, the blue on the back is stunning. The figures are more stunning because they're pan-painted prototypes with far more detail than what was actually released. Like Luke Skywalker Bestman, he's got like a silver belt buckle. You've got extra details on IG-88 Hoth Trooper. Just absolutely stunning images of those first ten. And something else that I only recently noticed was it's almost like going a bit back in time with that card back because if you look further down you see the, the, the list of all the figures it actually describes Greedo as Green Greedo which I didn't pick up on oh. and also um, Luke in flight suit which is amazing to, Green uh, Greedo's you know. a good one I, mean, I never realised yeah. that was on no, there no I, I didn't know and um, it's there clear as day um, i reach behind me and grab a 30 back grab a 30 back I, I recommend it <sighs> everyone grab a 30 back it's Green Greedo yeah, Brilliant. Green Greedo. Um, as I said, I, I didn't. I mean, we were talking about the last episode about where where you saw Green Greedo, and right in front of me, I've got like fourteen thirty back to my collection. I didn't realise it's got Green Greedo on it. It uh, makes you laugh, really. But so. did, you, did you know that, Dave? It's one of those See? things I've never noticed. <laughs> See? Brilliant. That's, that's what I love about all of these discussions because it just literally like brings like all perspectives and stuff like that and you're just like oh man yeah. how, how could I have not like spotted that before yeah I, I'm I kicking myself I, I couldn't believe it I'm you know yeah. I might as well be blind <laughs> and another unique thing is they all seem to be like mirror images yeah so, so I've, got, I've got it in front of me now I've got Kim Simmons second volume of his Star Wars photography the man who shot Luke Skywalker yeah and on page 8 it's got the original image it's on the 30 backs wow and it's the right way round and on the oh, third right. back, it's flipped, it's mirrored. Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's very odd. And yeah, all, all the uh, the first 20, they seem to be like mirror imaged as well. But it's interesting, because in, in that Chad Valley book, the, the picture I've got on the first 20, which is next to the first 10 Empire, they're, they're all like, they're correct, they're not mirror imaged, you know. They looked like they was in his right hand. 
And without going down a massive rabbit hole again, we might just want to explain why why we're referencing a Chat Valley trade catalogue and not a Palatoy trade catalogue. So, as I understand it, where Chad Valley was acquired to help give them a bit of a boost, the product appeared in the 1980 version of the Chad Valley catalogue. So, up to this point, the, the trade catalogues were always Palatoy or Dennis Fisher, but for part of the Palatoy company, 1980, Star Wars was included in the Chad Valley one. And it does have the Palatoy logo on that catalogue I've got. As yes. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. W- w- yeah. Which was to kind of almost promote the idea that it's all under the one family, and I think right. inside it might even say, you know, what one big, you know, it's got like all the different like brands and things like that. Yeah. But the the, the feedback, as I understand it, that came from the retailers was like, no, no, we don't. Chad Valley traditionally is seen as a preschool product line. So these these are the, all things that you'd have for newborns and toddlers and things like that. It's not necessarily a boys' toys brand. I don't know if the some of the decision there was to try and almost like separate it away from Action Man. Action Man! From Palatoy. To like give them their own breathing space. But like I think the feedback was then like, no, but it goes back with Palatoy. So I think at, at the point of when they printed those things, they thought it might be going to Chad or, or someone was right. saying put it with Chad Valley but it was then quickly sort of U-turn and kept within Palatoy side of things I mean if it had would they have changed that logo <laughs> on the card that, to, to Chad Valley that. how would that make you feel John <laughs> that's the story as I understand it so anybody who's out there who's a Palatoy collector they quite often find it difficult to complete this because you're trying to find the Chad Valley catalogue not the Palatoy one for right. the 1980 range. Palatoy presents toys from Star Wars. The princess has been captured. Our heroes are threatened by an Imperial troop transporter. Will the mighty force of the Millennium Falcon be enough to smash Darth Vader? Will Luke be able to save the princess? Only you can decide. The new Palatoy Star Wars models in toy shops now. They are waiting. So, Pete, do you want to take us through the vehicles and creatures then? Yeah, so starting off, we've got the Millennium Falcon spaceship from, from Palatoy. And what a toy it is. Surely the most iconic in the movie franchise and, and I'd say across the whole the whole toy line as well. It's absolutely classic. First box art is, is very recognisable, used across the whole world for the whole of Empire Strikes Back. It was only late in the, the Empire Strikes Back era that it was actually changed, and that was in Kenner, but everyone else stuck with that artwork for a long time. And we had the bonus of the nice, bold Palatoy logo in that right-hand corner as well. So, yeah, we had a full gloss printed box rather than the cardboard line art, which the Americans had on their first release. Uh, there's also two versions of the Palatoy one, which I didn't know until I was researching this. There is a, a Bounty Hunter logo, and there's one without. So I'm not sure which one is more common, but I've got the, the one without. But it'd be good to sort of see what one is more more desirable. So yeah, the US release was 79. We got it in, in 1980. And looking online, there's a few reasons for the delay. There's I think there was a, a delay with the tooling, or the tooling was damaged, so they couldn't actually get it out for 79. And I suspect there's also a big marketing decision behind that as well. So they obviously sort of turned a maybe a possible negative into a into a positive and gave themselves a perfect 
an amazing opportunity to have the to have this as a flagship toy going into the into the new movie when the demand for the the whole franchise was getting pumped back up again so yeah no one in the new uk would have known about this or very few people who had been to america but no one had known about this toy even existing before 1980 and they must have gone for it because the amount of empire strikes back pally toy falcons still out there today on the secondary market is huge so they must have just made tens of thousands of, of this thing and yeah you go to a toy fair today and it's not not a single toy fair is complete without a, a loose falcon kicking about and yeah i love it i think it's the cornerstone to the entire vintage line it was present in all of the movies doing some research realized it's hard that the french never got this until 1982 which is kind of unbelievable but and that was with a with a pally toy sticker so whether any meccano canada version of this seeped into the market i don't know probably one for one for stefan to answer there but yeah i think it's great i've still got my childhood one box one and i absolutely love it then we had the the snow speeder which was a same global release with the same us releases there and that came out in a pink box to start with two versions were released we had the one without the bounty hunter offer which was 80 and then it was re-released again with the pink box in 82 with the bounty hunter offer and they corrected the spelling obviously armor is spelled differently in the us so we got a u added to the the uk version but we never got the the blue box until later we got it in return of the jello line but the, the americans got the the blue box on the later in the the asb line so yeah that was that and then we had the twin pod cloud car which is one of my faves that really stands out in the line and somehow they just couldn't get away from taking photos in the snow. So they just, <laughs> just put it on the hoth as well. So yeah, we've got or, the same box. Or up. is it a cloud? Is it a cloud? Oh yeah. <laughs> You're walking yeah. in the clouds. Yeah. So um, yeah, this looks fab. I love the box of this with the big Palitoy logo on there. It's, it's, it seems to be bigger than most on this one. So that is standout one. But it's, it's a very different toy. It's very different to the US one. It's far, far more orange. It's far brighter. The canopy is different, and there's also the printing. There's four rows of text on the Keller one. There's five rows of text on the on the underneath of the Palitoy one, and also the seats. The seats are completely different colours as well. So they even that era they were. They they were cutting back on on certain costs and 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 bringing the the cost down on those. Oh, then we've got the first issue Taunton. I remember my the one I've got is from childhood collection, and that is a Kenner one. But then we also went on to get the Pally Toy stickered one on on Kenner boxes, and then there was a Pally Toy printed version, all of the sealed belly Taunton, which is bonkers when you think there was three different versions floating around just in those years before we got the the split belly ones. So no, the the toy was the US. US version of the toy. So I've got the stickered version of that, and I was I was looking at it earlier today. And on all six sides of the box, there's someone's meticulously put a Palatoy logo over the Kenner logo. So there's six st- stickers on the box, one on each side. And yeah, I don't think I could get them on straighter if I had a at a level. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is thorough. That is a crap job, though, isn't it? Jesus, it could, was it <laughs> worth the effort? There is a worse one to come. If you're not aware of it, it would be, okay. be for the third episode. Okay. But there is a worse worse job than applying stickers okay. to all the boxes. And then the original X-Wing, and we got it on a, the Dagobah 1 packaging, and we go on to get a second Dagobah release, which became more general. But it was a, this is quite a rare version of the, the Palito X-Wing on, on the Dagobah scene. And that was um, about the battle damage, right? That's just the regular X-Wing. Yeah, it's just the original, the original X-Wing. Essentially, it's the, a packaging refresh for that one. Yeah, so it's an empire, and I don't know why they, they, I guess, 
it went on to be changed for a, for a slightly more exotic photo. But I would have thought because Yoda's on this picture, I remember Yoda being a late release, so I thought maybe they would have like held this one back. But Yoda is on on the box of that, and it, it does mirror the the US release. I think that's pretty tough to get complete. I think the, the instructions are, are never with that. I think they're, they're they're really hard to get hold of, and they're really basic. I think it's just a small sheet of paper showing you. That, the that's stickers. the toughest element of that piece to get the the A5 size instruction sheet. Yeah. yeah, there's still no reference to Tie Fighter, though. No, which is, which is, you think, well, they were a You think, well, the Tauntaun went through that sort of three stage <laughs> reissue and it got its printed box in the end, but we never got the Tie Fighter with a, an actual Toy logo. And the Americans got the ESB Tie Fighter as well, so they went through yeah. his package. Yeah, imagine how good that would look with an ESB logo and a, and a Pally Toy oh, logo. That would have been amazing. When you think about it in its in isolation, that, that 1980 range is, is relatively small then. You know, in terms of, we've got what the Falcon, other vehicles repackaged x-wing and 10 action figures it's surprising when you think how much more is to come the new chapter in the continuing star wars saga the empire strikes back now in our galaxy the Empire Strikes Back. Pete, do you want to stick with you? We'll, we'll finish off the, the large size action figures. So the, the FET we've touched on already, but yeah, it's got its, it got its full release. And for this one cheered up Dave with its, its extra articulation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's got bending knees and arms and yeah, swivel joints. Yeah. And you can even look through the back of his head and it's got a little hole in it. You can see things through it. I'm actually going to read what it says on the box, what you get. It's the go, go, see-through see viewport lensing helmet, clicking pretend range finder on helmet, backpack containing grappling hook with attached rope, laser pistol and utility belt, Wookiee scalps, removable cape, lens tactic life support indicator in chest plate, Articulated head, shoulders, elbows, wrists, knees, and hips. Dave, there you go. I'll take that to your action, man. <laughs> Still not as good. By that point, they'd gone on to the sharpshooter body, which was the, the, the pinnacle of action figure articulation back then. Boba like Fett is just left in the dust. I'm very sorry. Not even his jetpack can save him. Like, sharpshooter body. That was designed by Palatoy. It never, it never had a Hasbro release. So it was a purely pure Palatoy design. Is is the the Vitruvian version of an action figure? You know, if you think of uh, Michelangelo, Vitruvian man. You know, Jesus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it was the action man. Action man from Palatoy. Sharpshooter. There you go. That'd make a good well T-shirt. It would. <laughs> With his blue pants. Pete, Pete, stop winding Dave up. <laughs> I know they're on Kenna, Canada and Kenner overstock boxes, right? They they were yes. all over. They weren't Palatoy or anything like that. Yeah, so it was obviously came through catalogue. There's a there's a catalogue mailer box which is extremely rare, which is just a brown box. It was available in, and I think it was stickered as a sort of black print on white Palatoy's sticker, which is just on the box of the of the Kenner version. Extremely hard to get hold of now but then the original the the, the box Kenner version did make it to retail I remember seeing that in the shops back in the day and they must have sold a lot because a lot of these do absolutely sort of rinsed of all their accessories oh. due to 
by regularly I remember when I got I got mine I think either last year or the year before I put I pieced it together I had a complete figure but I pieced the box together I bought a box and I bought an insert for it and I put the figure in mine's got a white sticker on top which was like the the catalogue number wherever oh. it came from so yeah it's good to see it came here but it's a shame it didn't come in a palatoid box yeah that would have been nice but they do they were obviously monthly available and when because I upgraded mine about four times and when I finally got an unplayed with version you realise the difference between an unplayed with and the ones you see quite regularly sort of scattered around at toy fairs with none of the accessories it's, mm. it, it really does ping it's such a bright kind of figure and see how they sold so many of them yeah that is a it's a great one in the line but sadly no IG-88 they passed on that through through cost and I guess the, the various reasons that the 12 inch line kind of went the way it did across the world sadly no IG-88 over here Gary's got a very well, pretty rare sealed 12-inch vet with a Palatoy sticker on it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Posted that forum previously, hasn't he? I've seen yeah. That yeah, he posted that up. Yeah, pretty impressive. I can't remember where he got that from, but he's, he's had it a few years. It's not a coloured Palatoy sticker. I think it's like a black and white one. It's very similar to the catalogue one, so it's just like a quite a bold yeah. black on white on a white sticker. That, that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Have you, have you sent any others, Pete? No, the one I've got, it sounds similar to Dan's. It's right. just a, I've just got a, it's on the bottom, it's just a sort of number, it's, it's two right. numbers with a, with a sort of slash in between. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, screams catalogue number, doesn't it? But yeah, the yeah. one with the poly is, yeah, very special. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that's all the 12 inch finished. So let's jump over to Craig now to discuss some Beyond the Toys. <laughs> Craig, welcome back. We're in the 1980s now. Hello, it's nice to be here in the 1980s. What a decade. So what have we got then for Beyond the Toys items for Palatoy in 1980? Not a huge amount for this whole era, really. And I think, you know, that in itself probably tells its own story that, you know, Palatoy in this line being very much focused onto the, the three and three quarter range rather than that first spread of stuff we saw with Star Wars, where, you know, they were trying lots of different things. I think they narrow it down by this point. So there's not a lot. So in 1980, we get a reissue of the blaster pistol we spoke about last time, except this time it's repacked and presented as Luke's blaster. So there's, there's an image there of Luke on uh, on Dagobah. Uh, and there are some running changes on the gun itself. So if you ever find one loose, it, these are the tells. So the Star Wars sticker obviously swapped out for an Empire Strikes Back sticker. And if the stick is missing, you'll be able to tell it's an Empire one by the fact that the cover dials, the trigger and the hidden button were produced in silver plastic. Very good. Does it still make the same annoying sound? <laughs> yeah, insert noise here. Uh, and alongside that, which was nice as well, I believe, was the, the Force lightsaber, which is a you know, role play toy that I always more commonly think of as a Kenner version. We see those those full displays of, of, of Kenner ones, and they, they did it for Jedi as well, which we'll get to next time. But the first wave of the Force lightsaber came in red and yellow, and they were chunky, clunky, and beautifully low-tech. They came with a prismatic sticker that, that, that sort of featured the dials and the controls. But I think the, the, the best thing about this for me is it wasn't battery-operated. It wasn't anything like the, the ones that came later in the in the 90s or even attempted to do anything like the blaster pistol. It was a really sort of basic piece of engineering that caught the air as you wafted it uh, back and forth and made a sort of, you know, if you spin a hose... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In a hose in the garden, you'd get that. You know, I think that's just charming. You know, 
<laughs> did you have did you have one of those as a kid? No, I don't one? remember them at all. I've seen photos of them being sold in Zodiac toys and things, so you know, they were definitely around back in the day. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but we can assume that it did. It had a, a you know, these came with a little cardboard sleeve. Presumably there are palatoy sleeved versions out there. Would you know? I thought they were just loose. Yeah. Well they just had this little sort of I guess identifying branded card bit that went over the, uh, okay over the handle, so you could I think you could sort of add a universal J hook type deal on it, so you could hang them. So right, they, that would make sense. If the UK didn't have the big, beautiful, you know, sort of standing store display, they could at least hang them. Yeah, I'm guessing these weren't these weren't widely available because everyone still talks about the, the is it the Force? We spoke about it last week, didn't we? The Force Saber feels like there's plenty of knock knockoffs running around the place that yeah, yeah half the price the in, the, in the junk shops. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to get hold of a, a display and took it upon myself to fill it, um, <laughs> and they're all in the states, you know. Right. I, I went over to New York, New York for a week, and the first day I spent buying everyone on a bike now getting sent to the hotel. <laughs> so I, on that evidence, I don't think they were particularly widely distributed or sold particularly well in the UK. Anything okay. else for 1980, Craig? Yes, the, the Play-Doh action set. Well, that's a good action one, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so like Star Wars had its Death Star set, this has had a Hoth-themed set, which very similar in, in its components three moulds, three tubs of Play-Doh, Playmat, little plastic snow speeder for people to ride around in, and a little plastic knife. Notable for, like, the weird colours. If you think of Hoth, you know, it's black and it's white. You know, Play-Doh is colourful by its nature, so you get these weird, you know, colour combinations on the box. And Luke is particularly strange, and I don't think, you know, you can't mould Vader in black. <laughs> but I do like yeah. the set. Yeah, you've got the Palatoy set of that, haven't you, I think? I what do, yeah. Quite hard to find that. Yeah. Palisoy version. So if you see one come up, grab it because it's. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've missed out on a couple in the last couple of years, but I don't like I say they don't come up that often. You got to be quick on the quick on the trigger to get it. Indeed. Mentioned as well on the main show about airfix being taken over. So there have been some airfix kits floating around potentially as well that are technically part of the Palatoy group. Yeah, I mean it depends how you want to classify it, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I this is an exercise in looking at what that brand produced yeah. rather than what the group created. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're tangentially, you know, connected, yeah. So the, the only other thing, and this is sort of unconfirmed, uh, comes from the list that we are leaning on quite heavily for some of this, which is in Greg Stevens' phenomenon of Star Wars in the UK, which were some of the craft sets. So, you know, craft sets featured quite heavily in the the Star Wars line. And it makes sense that there, there would have been an element of that for, for Empire. So if you think about, you know, we were discussing, you know, colouring posters. I remember a real trend for like shaker makers were the earlier ones where you'd, you'd have a compound that you would put into a mould and shake it up. Yeah. It would come out rubbery and you'd sit on the windowsill for a while and it would go hard and then you'd paint it. And, but there were also lots of like plaster of Paris kits and things like that. That uh, that you could get. I think I had Paddington. I had a He-Man one. I remember that. Well, you're way cooler. <laughs> yeah, we had. We had. And I'm think. I think my brothers had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at some point. So yeah, they were a big thing in the eighties, weren't they? The, the old plaster of Paris molds. They totally were. So Craftmaster in that were part of Kenner produced some of the little figurines. So Yoda and Luke on a Tauntaun, and also a sort of glow paint by numbers set. So you know they are rumoured to have existed as Peloton-branded yeah. items, but as yet, unconfirmed whether they appeared with that logo. They may have just been imported and 
Mm. Well, I've, I've got the hand solo. It's not a palatory one. Don't get excited. It's, the cards in them are so, and the bubbles are so delicate. It's, it's nothing like what you'd get with an action figure. It's really flimsy card. The bubbles are really thin. And obviously what's inside the bubble is quite heavy. So yeah. it's not surprising there aren't many of them knocking around. Yeah. But yeah. Worth mentioning for the completers. Well, yeah. So get hunting everyone. Yeah. Well, let us know if you've got one. <laughs> We're back and we're in 1981. So the Human League had the biggest selling single of 81 with Don't You Want Me Baby, spending five weeks at number one, including being the Christmas number one when having a Christmas number one was still a big deal. Queen's Greatest Hits Volume 1 was the biggest selling album and on TV, Jaws made 23 million of us scared to go back in the water. Jaws was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars. In cinemas at the box office, Superman 2 was the top draw, taking 9.5 million at the box office. I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein or Superman. John, we are back with you with the 32 Bs. The second new 10 figures were T1B, Rebel Commander, Asset Driver, Imperial Commander, Leahoff, Han Bespin, Lobots, Ugnaughts, Yoda, and finally a carded Boba Fett. And there was a few differences on the 30B to the 30A. The main difference was the size of the Palatoy logo. So on, on the 30A, it had what we call the mid-size logo, which is a little bit bigger than the, the 20-back logo. Nowhere near as big as the, the, the 12-back logo. But going on to the 30B, the, the logo basically went back to the size of the, the 12-back. So it was a much bigger logo. The other subtle differences were the top uh, right of the card, it says ages four and over. That font became a bit smaller. Like if you compare them together, there's quite a difference in size. And on the back of the card, on the silver border at the bottom, on the 30A, there, it was blank, but on the 30B, it says made in Hong Kong. And another very subtle difference that I didn't know about for a while, actually, was on the Empire logo on the front of the card, on the K in the word back, on the 30A, you've got a little TM logo, trademark, and on the 30B, that's completely disappeared. Yeah, that was how, that was the tell I always use, which is that yeah. TM. You can already look at it and you know straight away what you're looking at. Yeah, that's it, yeah. What about the original 20 then? So there's a number of those that didn't appear on this 30 back either, wasn't there? Yeah, so re- regarding the, the Star Wars characters found on 30 back, for starters, they're only um, released on a 30B. In fact, I, I think personally they they release the Empire figures and then right at the end of the 30 back era, they, they re-release some of the Star Wars figures. And basically the ones that we know of 100% that are confirmed are... Han original, Leia original. We know Ben, Kenobi, and Death Squad Commander. And what quite a few people don't know is Chewbacca has also been verified. I've actually had one in my hand. And on the second series, it's Luke X-Ring that was released. Now, (laughs) there's quite a few rumours going about that some of the others have been seen. And there's even people in the hobby that claim that they own a couple of the others that we've not seen. I personally, I've, I've not seen any other card back or any evidence of any of the others existing. As said, that's not to say that, you know, that's the case. It's possible that some of these were done as sales samples, maybe. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think, I'd, I'd love to see a 30-back Vader. Mm. I'd absolutely love to see that. That, to me, is probably one of the premier pieces in, in the world of Palatine Mint on card. There's rumours that a Luke exists and a Jower exists, but again... 
they're just rumours as far as I'm concerned because I don't know anybody, I, I don't know any Palatoy collectors that have actually seen them or, or, or seen any evidence of them apart from one chap who claims to own the Vader and he claims to know where the Luke and the Jar are, but he's not willing to say any more on the subject to me anyway. And <laughs> yeah, well, not it, just me, a few other guys. It, 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 yeah, it, 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 I don't it's, understand it's, that. It's Personally. a strange one. I'm, I'm not sure what the resistance would be for that because no, I'm not. It, it it's an element of collecting that I find curious. So I, I'd understand that not everybody wants to share their collections for privacy purposes and security purposes and things. From the from the point of view of sharing the information, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And no. I, I and sometimes. Some people like the mystery and things like that, but I, I think it's great to speculate and debate all the time, just as we have on this I show and, and the previous show, because it's, it, it's great. And, and through that comes shared learning, like like the green greeter on the back of the, the car back. I never yeah. knew that. Like, no. You know, it, and, and like, yeah, I've been staring at these things for like God knows how long. <laughs> so it's it, it, you should never actually be afraid to admit you know you, you're learning something new because that's the whole idea and that's the whole point if you if you've got some of these things and you you it is it is at a point where we all share information and there is no harm in like just providing that there and going boom there it is i don't think there's any um, i mean the, the thing is we we weren't asking for this chat to plaster it all over the internet or make it public it's just you know talking to a few key guys that are fully involved in the hobby and have been for many, many years, I, I don't see why they would hold that back. And also trading cards as well. Yeah. In terms of those first 20 figures, yeah. so there's no there's no original Luke. And anyone I've spoken to has not seen an original Luke, yeah. an original Jawa, an original R2, an original 3PO. The Sand People's pretty much definite no. Yeah. And definite no. Stormtrooper. Well, a definite no, it doesn't exist, and the Stormtrooper doesn't exist. I, I don't believe so, no. I mean, it, it's only been recently that a 41-back Sam people has been discovered, like Min on card. And yeah. to date, that's one of one that we know about. And, and you mentioned the, the, the Luke uh, X-Wing pilot. Is he on a 30? Yes, he is. Relatively speaking, that's like the common one, which right. is completely no, the wrong word to use. And none of the aliens or droids from that second wave are on... Not, not that we know of. Okay. I heard a rumour that somebody bought a Kenner 31 back Walrus Man years ago, okay. and when it turned up, it was a 30 back. But again, I mean, I, I take that with a pinch of salt. But none of these second wave has, has been known. I mean, they're near impossible on 41 back, but 30 back, we've we've never seen any evidence of those apart from the Luke X-wing, and I'll just put that down to it being Luke. Luke was quite relevant to Empire, obviously, in his X-Wing outfit. He's, you know, in that on the Hoth battle. So maybe it was to do about. That but, makes um, sense. Yeah, in terms of numbers, we're probably talking about, you know, a small handful, maybe five or so. I mean, I own one. Gary Smith owns one. And a couple of the other guys, they own examples. So, I mean, there's a good chance there's a few more out there. So it, it's one that obviously very difficult to find, and it's, it commands a lot of money when it does turn up. I think the last one I know sold for about nine thousand pounds wow. privately. Okay. Nice one though, nice figure. 
the ones that there's, there's no known existence of. You thought it's the I, ones I, that I, I've never seen cardbacks of either. I've never seen cardbacks for Vader, Stormtrooper, Luke, R2, 3PO, nothing. Never seen anything like that. Yeah, but in terms of the Luke X Wing, which we know is a rare, a really rare one, how many is the cardback? I've seen more? quite a few cardbacks of that actually on 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 eBay. I mean, the conditions are awful, and as, as Dave yeah. said, I nearly ordered them and got the nameplates cut out. If so, the card example examples had had surfaced, it shows that that card was available it was actually released whereas the ones that we've got no versions of at all it makes it even yeah it's, it's, you the know. carded samples even harder and which yeah. may hark back to your sort of salesman pool kind of versions the, yeah the i mean what what i will say is i mean i i know of a few extremely rare other kind of later cards and it's it's near impossible to find images of those card back on the internet but i know they exist like men on mm. card so yeah ne- never say never i mean I'd love to be proved, well, not wrong, but like, you know, prove that some of these things do exist. But yeah, time will tell. Sure, time will tell. Anything else on 30 Bs? No, apart from the fact I'm gutted. I no longer <laughs> have a lot of them that I used to. <laughs> that's, that's a completely different. <laughs> move on. Will Han Solo on his Tauntaun and Luke Skywalker in his Snowspeeder dare attack the Imperial base. Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. Moving on from the 30 <laughs> yeah. Bs then, John, yeah. we went straight into the 41 backs later that yes. year. There were yes, several we variations did. of that card, right? So you've, you've got, I think you've got a 41 A and B and possibly C. I'm, I'm not, see with me, so like if, I, if I did a run, if I've got a 41 back, I don't have to have a 41 A, B and C and so on. I just, as long as I've got the 41, I'm, I'm pretty much happy. Yeah, but there, there are variations where play sets have been amended. So that, that was basically the differences on, on the 41. It, it was only really on the, on the back of the card where there was a couple yeah. of small differences. The, the release date on the card is, is, is again 1980, but I, I don't believe that they were seen until like 81. And speaking to a few of the guys, they, one guy said that he remembers his uh, toy shop had just as much Kenner 41s as, as Palatoy. You know, lots yeah. of imports as well, you know. And then in terms of figures that were introduced on that card, Dengar was the only one. He was the 41st figure. Of- he, he was, but again, there's a big debate with whether Dengar actually exists on a 41 back now. What I will say is a couple of guys in the hobby that they've been around a long time one guy says that he, he had one and he sold it to another chap. The chap that allegedly has it, he will not show any images of it. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I have asked him and he's point blank refused. A couple of the other guys, they've not seen it either. So, you know, a bit frustrating. But again, I've never seen any card back of this or mm. obviously mint on cards. So I don't know why he, you know, make it up, especially if there's another chap involved. I, I, I would really love to see it, you know. It, it's quite unique because it, it, if it's true, it's the only figure that debuted on the 41. I was talking with Gary and there was, I think, I'm not sure it was Gus and Duncan's guide or some some American list. And they had it down as being on a 30 back, but we're pretty sure that's not accurate. No. It, it, it was too late release to be on a 30 back. If it's true, the 41 back is the debut. But, you know, everyone I know, they're... Their first Dengar carded figure is on a 45A, and and that that's not easy to get it's these days. That's difficult, you know. Yeah, which would make that makes sense, though, doesn't it? Because 
we're going to talk about mail away offers with Dengar in a minute, so it kind yeah. of makes sense that he's not on those cards. Yeah. And in terms of the original R2D2 and C3PO, could you get them on a 41 back? Yes, you, you did. And out of the two, the 3PO is considerably rarer than the R2. It wasn't that long ago that only, I think, one or two were known, but since then there's probably more like about maybe four or so known now. Yeah. I own one, but it's the most battered mint on card in my collection. It, it's it's just barely a mint on card. But I'm, I'm glad I rescued it because that could have easily ended up as a U-graded figure. Yeah. You, you should just bin that, surely. That's, oh, that's not that's even that's worthy that's of that's your, that's your attention. Just bin it. Yeah. Go on, get rid of it. That's you don't it, want yeah. it. Yeah, so so I take anything, it that's the only ESB card, Palatal ESB card, you can get those two figures on because they're about to be replaced by the removable limbs in the census code. That's right, yeah. Yes, indeed. So they were the, the last, 41 was the last card with the original R2 and 3PO on. The R2 at once upon a time turn up every so often, but I know one collector that spent, I think, six years looking for one. He finally got one. He paid a lot of money. I was glad to get one a few years ago because, personally, I, I was sort of looking to get the first 12 figures on other cards, you know, other than, other than the 12 back. And, uh, yeah. So these, these sound a lot tougher to me, John, than the 12 backs now, right? So we're getting into some, some yeah. water with this stuff. Yeah, really like, yeah, to cut a long story short, yeah, I mean, getting the 12 backs. Is, is a bit of a walk in the park compared to getting some of these to be honest it's a bit of a different ball game trying to go after some of these 41 backs I mean not the 30 backs come up that often but yeah, for, I've got one in my collection I've got an Ugnaught that I got off of um, Nick Rayner years ago which is pretty okay. bad but that's like the only one I've got and I mean, yeah. you rarely see them come up yeah they, they don't I think because they, they were more sort of interested in in sort of like the debut stuff you know so if, if they wanted one of the first 12 they wanted it on a 12 back and and to say, you know, if they wanted a, uh, one of the first 10, they would like it on a 30 back. So it's like the 41 back because there's only possibly one figure that debuted on that card. It's like they almost took a bit of a back seat, really. Mm. And it's when you get to the levels of like your Gary Smiths who pretty much get everything. You get people that maybe passing a few of them. I, I remember years ago, I was blown away. Darren Simpson, he had a 41 back Han Solo original on on his table in, I think it was a memorabilia show. And I think that was the first time I'd laid eyes on a, on a 41 back original Han. So some of those figures are difficult. I think two absolute wow factors are for me anyway. I've seen images of a 41 back power droid and a 41 back Death Star droid. They're locked away in a private collection. So it's pretty impressive to see things like that that you don't often see. When um, Nick Rayner picked up the Jawa at that Aston's. Yeah, I think one or two have surfaced, but I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough 41, really is. Yeah, he said at the time, because so many had surfaced up until then, he thought it was rarer than the, the Vinyl Cape Jawa on the Pally Toy card. I, I'd say um, de- definitely. <laughs> Star Destroyer, Darth Vader is holding Han Solo a prisoner to lure Luke Skywalker and the Millennium Falcon into a trap. Will he succeed? Only you can decide with Star Wars Toys. Pete, do you want to take us through the vehicles and playsets then from 1981? 
There's only three. It seemed to stabilise slightly. It was obviously the communications between the Cincinnati and, and Colville were, were improving. So, yeah, we got the turret and probot placer, Imperial attack base, and Darth Vader's Star Destroyer action placer. So all of the toys were the same as the US releases. They all came in Palitoy branded boxes. The Star Destroyer had... Again, the full printed box, whereas the US had the, the sort of line art on one side. We had the complete sort of printed box for that. So, yeah, I guess it's, it's a sign of the sort of move as Palitoy become more distributed rather than actual sort of manufacturer. These are all mm. sort of US designed toys. Up. Yeah. It didn't last for long, but it was, it was, it was there in 81 as they, as they put all of these out. So, yeah, they're all really iconic playsets. The two Hoff ones, the Turret and Probot and the Imperial Attack Base are really hard to get. You see a lot of them, but the boxes are always really, really quite battered on them. I guess it's a heavy placer in quite a quite a fragile, thin cardboard cardboard boxes. Nice big Palitoy Legos on there again. Two versions of the the attack base, one with and one without the the bounty hunter Legos on the front. And same with the Darth Vader Star Destroyer. Yeah. They're lovely. Very nice three sets. They're pickable, but yeah, it's hard to get there. Get in the nice. Yeah, I think I've got my Imperial attack base is a Canadian one. I know that, but the other two are both palatal and neither of them have got inserts, but the boxes are, yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not the best. Chuck them in some GW acrylic, they'll look great. <laughs> <laughs> Had that from, I'll get paid for that one, I hope. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the sponsored link. There were some mini rigs as well. We got the MTV7, PDT8, and the MLC3 all released. That's the first wave of mini rigs, and yeah, Finding out tonight that the first release of these had the US proof of purchase on the bottom of the box. There, that was a very early release of those, and they they look fantastic. I think the boxes are far clearer and vivid on those. And John is more an expert on these, but yeah, that was a, that was news to me that they'd come out. And it's really random that the, the the US proof of purchase managed to survive and was never seen before that, and it just appeared on these and. Not before, not after, I believe. It's mad, isn't it? It's just crazy. Might so, yeah, whether that was a... before the show goes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be looking for it. I wonder if that was an artwork being supplied and then someone just missed. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing this out there. I'm not saying it is the case because these are the only products that you see it on. So, where we were talking about the whole Chad Valley thing, I wonder perhaps if there might have been some of the restructuring. And that was why it was on there. Because it seems very odd that it just appeared on those three. It's either an artworking error, but someone still would have signed off on it. Mm. Or was it like a, a move, you know, towards like, oh, the, the globalisation and we're, we're bringing in some of these elements and stuff like that. But I have no, no way to back any of that up. It's, it's just a thought of where we were discussing this earlier. There's been many things signed off that have been a total balls up over <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, no, Green Greedo uh, <laughs> being, being the best one. Yeah, no, that's possibly more likely a, a an artworking sign-off error. Yeah. yeah. For, it, for it to be removed for the next release as well, if someone's picked up on it, and maybe when they get the other ones in hand, they're sort of like, it's more obvious they've got the other the, the two side-by-side. Another, another for the Palatoy Puzzler list, I reckon. Oh. <laughs> list is getting longer. The Star Wars saga continues. The Empire strikes back at Luke Skywalker. I've been hit! Princess Leia. Give the evacuation code signal. Han Solo. I said you want to be around when I made a mistake. This could be it, sweetheart. I take it back. Oh! Landau Calrissian. C-3PO. Wait, me? 
R2-D2 and Chewbacca, the new chapter of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Shall we, um, shall we move on to Diecast? So the Diecast releases for The Empire Strikes Back era. We had like three new additions to the lineup of the Twin Pod Cloud Car, the Rebel Armored Snowspeeder and Slave One. Were they ever released on Palatoy cards? I don't believe they were. The only one I had as a kid was the Twin Pod Cloud Car and I loved the artwork on that where it was just like all the 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 cloud city background i never i remember always like seeing snowspeeder and slave one and i just never never took to them but i don't ever remember seeing the palatoy logo on any of those things and there's been as far as i'm aware no examples out there i'm not really the diecast guy where i had the land speeder that thing was just like so massive, and that's what I mean. There, there, there's even though your mind plays tricks on you, there, there's things that really like stick with you. It wasn't like the full lineup, and there were no then Empire Strikes Back reissued of like the, the previous ones. The diecast line as a, as a whole was one of those ones that was kind of almost like relegated, reduced it to sort of like this sort of like sidelined by the action figures really, and not not just within the UK. Not that we even got the full range either. Definitely things like the Falcon and the Imperial Cruiser and Y-Wing were nowhere to be seen by this point. I don't think that they they even really continued offering those as actively as, as the others. But a, a, a small small noteworthy edition and, and colourful edition, but like, yeah, it didn't really set the world on fire, really. The Star Wars saga continues. The heroes are back. The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. Echo Station 5-7, we're on our way. Freighter's gonna leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? I just assumed he's a Wookiee. I can arrange that. The new chapter of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. So, Dave, I have got you down now for a ton of stuff around mail-away offers. It felt like between Woo-hoo. 81 and 82, it went a bit bonkers after the Fet offer. Do you want to try and navigate all of this? Following hot on the heels of the Boba Fett offer, Palatoy saw the potential to create something really cool that, to me, is as iconic as the Palatoy logo and that was the Bounty Hunter offer. And this was really taking cues from <laughs> Action Man. Action Man! From Palatoy. <laughs> because within Action Man, you had the Stars promotion, okay? And on all Action Man toys, you would have a number of stars, which was more or less correlating to the money you were spending on the product. So if it was a low-level product, it was one or two stars or three stars for an outfit. And the bigger the product or the more money you spent, the more stars you would get. And you would be able to like get a small DL leaflet. So it is a folding leaflet that would open up three sides and front and back. And it would detail offers that were exclusive to Action Man that you could then save up these stars for and redeem them for those particular products you had things in there that were quite low value like patches and they refresh it from time to time and, and as it went on they would make it more ambitious and you could get like a, a guard dog a mounty outfit uh, an actual naked action man or a, a command tent at one point so they applying the same logic they brought this to star wars and it was utilizing fundamentally the same 
mail-aways that were available in the States, but like make, making it just seem so much cooler by bringing in the Bounty Hunter capture log. And then within this, you could get Dengar, you could get Darth Vader's carry case and the survival kit. They were the principally the three first three offers. Dengar was also advertised on comic books, which was had follow-up artwork similar to the Boba Fett, so that airbrushed style artwork of Dengar, introducing him as a mail-away, but also they brought in the, the Bounty Hunter logos on that. Again, cutting out the nameplates or on the vehicles, we've mentioned a couple of times already, you had the Bounty Hunter logo. So where we mentioned on Action Man, it was always like stars. For vehicles for Star Wars, it was the Bounty Hunter logo and then the nameplates on the actual action figures. So you had two two ways to accumulate a number of these things. That, Dave, can I just stop you? On the, on the Dengar, just specifically, yeah. was he, was that, was he prior to the, the, the carry case and the survival kit offer? Because it felt like Dengar almost was an offer on his own and then was extended into that. Yeah. Is that yes. how that So, so if you look at the, the sort of time scales that they were doing the comic book promotion, it did slightly uh, predate the capture log but if you actually look at the advert it is talking mm-hmm. about the, the the bounty hunter promotion yeah, it's got the logo on there it's got definitely yeah. got the logo so, on there so it predated it but not not by like say six months or anything mm-hmm. like that it okay. wasn't necessarily like a uh, an, an extension of it it was like more or less the first foray into like you know talking yeah. about this as as a, as a concept that could be then redeemed for other things because when i looked at the ad it's got an expiry date of the 31st of august 1981 but we know it carried on into 82 on the 45 back so it was it's yes. kind of saying it must have been doing going gangbusters so they just carried it on yeah so again when you've got something that is working you're going to why would you pull the rug on it? So, but by comparison, the, the Boba Fett one was very short-lived, but like the Dengar one, by this point, they, they're getting an idea of what the response is. You know, Boba Fett was like the first attempt, the first stab in the dark, but you've got nothing to measure it with. Yeah, so everything is like, well, we don't know how this is going to go down. We know we know Star Wars is popular and everything like that, but you don't know quite what the response is going to be like. That was setting the benchmark, which is then allowing them to like really like drive things forward. And I say this because in the States, they had much more of a track record of these things because they did Bosk as well. We didn't get that as like a mail-away promotion. So the Dengar one was extended, and then you had the comic book advertising, you had the Bounty Hunter capture log, and then you had the back of the packaging in terms of advertising that, and then also like the survival kit as well on the back of packaging. And then further mail-away promotions were brought in, not in the same vein as like Dengar, but you had Fall On, which was done on the backs of packaging. I yeah, they would have been Kenner, Kenner Imports that have been uh, on the because we didn't see a Fall On offer on Palatoy card backs. It all seemed to be on yeah, Kenner cards with yeah, the stickers so on them. Yeah, it was with, with the stickers like on there for, for the um, redemption address and things like that. And you also had the display arena, which did have some more of that um, beautiful artwork yeah, as well. Yeah, comics. And then not really as well known, uh, but there is actually a fourth piece of artwork that was created with IG-88. And to my knowledge, that was only ever used on the Italian advertising for Boba Fett and IG-88 as a mail-away promotion. I don't know if you've ever seen that, have you? I've never seen that. So it's the same style as as Mm. Boba Fett. And Dengar, there's IG88 as well, but it's 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 so small as of an advert. It's the 
I'd love to see mm. if there's ever comes out that there's a bigger version of that piece of artwork. But the display arena was like the same thing. You had Han, Hoff, Luke Bespin, R2-3PO and Darth Vader, the display arena. And that was comic books only. That wasn't really done quite the same way as, as, as it was advertised in other areas as well. To give you an idea, the Darth Vader carry case was extremely expensive for what it was and what you were redeeming. The, the Dengar and the survival kit were fairly reasonable, but like the, the, the additional that you'd have to pay on the Darth Vader carry case, I can't remember exactly off my, top of my head, but I think it was about six pounds. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, which is probably not far off what it would have been to purchase the thing in the first place. No, it was eight pounds. It was six main plates and I've got to, I've got to just grab the flyer. Six, yeah. six main plates and eight pounds. Dengar so, was three main plates and 14 pence. So kit was four na- four names and thirty pence. So I, I've got normally would sell for fourteen pounds. Yours for six names and six pounds, including postage and packaging. I've got that on the very first bounty okay. hunter log capture. Yeah, they did update it a couple of times. Yeah. I think there's four different ones, as far as I'm aware, four different mm. capture logs. That as postage for the Vader case is really expensive. Like really expensive, really yeah. expensive. So I don't know how how well that one was ever really redeemed because you know. <laughs> Go look on eBay for the Tarfader carry cases, David. <laughs> Hundreds of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there, there you go. That wasn't like the best deal, but like what you'd also no. find as well is Palatoy would then carry the concept on and sometimes do direct consumer alternatives. So you might get with what you sent in you may get like a little letter saying oh did you know you can also get this as well for however many nameplates and token amount for like postage and sometimes when things were out of stock get like alternatives as well like offered to you now it didn't really kick in until like the jedi side of things admittedly but again this was borrowed from action man with what they were doing to liquidate old stock because they quite often end up with a lot of things that they couldn't sell to retailers. And the retailers were like, well, we don't want that. We want the new stuff. They would quite often liquidate it through... Well, liquidating is actually the wrong word. They were actually making quite a tidy sum of selling excess stuff off through direct-to-consumer channels because you're, you're getting the retail margin and the wholesale margin. And it was a good way people think that they're getting a, a better deal, but all they're doing is that, you know, they're, they're just paying over the wholesale costs for these things. So it was a great play by Palatoy to create this sub-brand within Star Wars of the Bounty Hunter promotion. An iconic, beautiful bit of artwork created of the Boba Fett helmet, which has been used on a million things back in 2007. It was like the, the logo that we used for the Palatoy Archive exhibit for Celebration Europe, but it's been quite often lifted and used for, for lots of other things as well. Mark, it, Mark Daniels has done some great stuff with it, hasn't he, over the years? He's yeah. He's a big fan of this. In terms of that, that logo and those Bounty Hunter offers, so on the vehicles and playsets, so, you know, whenever I've bought Kenner stuff, quite often you can find it with the proof of purchase cut out of the boxes, but you don't seem to have it as much with these bounty hunter offers. No one seems to cut them out. Is that because things Because everything talks about nameplates. No one talks about cutting... Do you know what I think it is? I think it is a failure of that artwork you think of the capture log. You always think of Dengar, 
survival kit, the carry case, cutting out Ugnaught's nameplate. You know, you, but you're not really like seeing the cutting out of the bounty hunter logos to the same degree. Do you see what I mean? Mm, so I, yeah. I, 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 I think it's it's that 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 imprinting on on people like knowing what you're supposed to do with these things because you're absolutely right. You you hardly ever see beaten up boxes with like cut out logos or anything like that in the right. same way that you do with like card bags. But also at the same time, how many boxes were really kept versus, you know, the, the card bags? Because a lot of these boxes are always like partnered up with things, but like the card bags have been ripped off. So the, the card bags are plentiful in their thousands because millions of these things were sold. Boxes, not so much. You know, they've probably perished once they've been the, the, the structural integrity had been cut out, if that makes sense. But where I like nameplates, like collecting those, you don't see the Bounty Hunter logo. It's just accumulated in the same way that the nameplates have. You know, people held on to those things with hope that something is on the horizon that could be quite cool to be redeemed against. But you don't ever come across like loads of Bounty Hunter logos. So, yeah, right. I, I, I don't think it was clearly communicated into people's heads. And on the logs, well. it talks about three nameplates, four nameplates, five name. Well, it doesn't say plates, but it says names. It doesn't talk about Bounty Hunter logos on the boxes of vehicles and playsets. Yeah. But they, but they 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 didn't carry it forward either. They mm. you know after Died. the empire they they stopped doing that. So they did not just communicate. They didn't make it as widely available either. So one of my favourite things in my collection is that Dengar Mailer because I've got such great memories of it when I grew up. My mum I've told the story before I think, but my mum sent off for two of them, gave me one to play with. Another one sat in the kitchen drawer like the junk drawer of all the keys and other crap from around the house and bills and God knows what. And it sat in there for years. We moved house. It came with us. We moved house again in 2005. My mum and dad moved house. I'd moved out by then. But in that move, it got lost. And I didn't know anything about it, really. And then when I came to find out how rare it was, I was kind of, I still kick myself now. And I've managed over the years to cobble one back together. I bought a collection off a guy. He had all, really? his, had, had all, the, all his guns kept in the Dengar mailer box. Wow. And you know it's the value box because it's got that little number on it, D1108. Wow. But the baggie itself is very specific to that, or one version of that baggie. It's got Palatoy Parker Bradgate. Who the hell are Bradgate? Bradgate is a wholesale arm of Palatoy. So where we're talking about like these toy subsidiaries, Bradgate is probably best known as a original equipment manufacturer. So like not necessarily Palatoy created products but buying in stuff from like the far east and then putting it in a catalogue for toy shops and news agents uh and it wouldn't necessarily be the branded licensed goods like you would find with star wars or action man or anything like that it'd be things like dolls and uh, cars Just almost like independently almost like i don't know Tesco own brand stuff, just random toys. Yeah, like they're, a, they're buying. Yeah. but right. but it, it, it wouldn't necessarily be anything good. That's that's not quite <laughs> correct. But like it, 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 it almost be if you uh, if you imagine now going to a ninety nine p shop and you see like the toy gun and the toy soldiers, you know the green army man, and there's a cowboys and Indians sort of like role play set with like. You know, the silver sheriff badge and the handcuffs. It'd be stuff like that. Bizarre uh, then that this was all printed on that baggie, wasn't it? It just, it just didn't say Palatoy on it or made in Hong Kong. It's very specific. Yeah, as to reasons to that, I yeah. honestly would have 
Uh, do you know why the box has got D1108 on it? That's the other question. I can never get. No one seems to know that either. No, because it's a ridiculous <laughs> question. <laughs> I know, but I have to ask. Right, let it go. No, um, I know. <laughs> most of this stuff isn't really worth the the agony we put ourselves under. Uh, <laughs> That's why we're here, Dave. <laughs> um, so back when we started the show, and I was saying in the previous episode that to me Palatoy represented such a significant part of my childhood not just with like Action Man and Star Wars and, and like Action Force but like for me that whole Bounty Hunter promotion is really for me such an it, it, it was such an electric time and, and it just it was so cool and like, like you say when you got Dengar it was like wow I thought he was another rebel soldier uh, you know, off a hoff. Yeah, I, I played with him. I had no idea he was a bounty hunter. So I, I knew he was a bounty hunter, but like you just had no idea he had like that backpack and all this stuff. And and, and he just and I remember the the smell of the plastic as well. It was like you know you, you almost like getting a buzz off it because it was just like oh you know. Um, but it, it, it was so cool. And then to get the survival kit and then the gas masks and like the grappling hook and the training pack back you know it, it was just like wow it was such a cool and i kind of created the product palatoy supercharged it and and that whole logo is is just as impressionable to me and my childhood as as anything else it, you know it is and and the that airbrush artwork of of Fett, Dengar, and the display arena as well. Just seeing it in, in comic books, you know, I, I, I can think back to points of my childhood where just gazing at it endlessly is, like, absolutely fantastic. And it's, it all comes into the being, like, masters at, you know, design, adaption, and marketing. You know, they really were. And I, I, I do think there's, there's no, nothing to take away from Kenner because Kenner were, like, masters of what they were doing within their, their domestic markets. But I think Palatoy really understood what they were doing within the UK market. And they certainly used their experience and knowledge of other brands within the market and, and, t- and, and drawing from that to then create a really competent and really well executed one for like the Star Wars market. Let's move on to 1981 then, Craig. Yes, and as far as I can tell, just the Yoda hand puppet, which was a rebadge of the the Kenner version. I you know I don't own one, but I've always sort of admired them for being a, a run in and of themselves. <laughs> I think it's a great sculpt, though, considering it's 1980. It really does look like Yoda. And I know, Pete, he's got a full run of 12-inch, and he, he he has the puppet of Yoda within that, within that run. He's classified it with his 12-inch. Yeah, it makes, to- it makes total sense to, to do that. And I also see why, you know, they would want to do a puppet of Yoda. He was famously, you know, a, a Jim Henson creation. And, you know, you saw that in a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and that idea of putting a little Yoda puppet into the kids' hands is is brilliant. It's just, yeah. you know, not... While it's a great sculpt, it's not the best puppet. No, he doesn't really do a lot, does he? I think he just, yeah, wiggle his head a little bit and maybe make him look down and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't even got a squeaker like sweet. In terms of quantities, they do they do come up quite often, but there was um, one for sale recently, a graded one. I think it's on the Palatoid group on Facebook. It's, it's unsealed, so it's got, like, a qualified yeah. uh, rating. 
and it was yeah and and uh john was chipping on that actually he was saying how how rare it is he's he's only ever known one sealed version of the hand puppet and he owns it there doesn't yeah. know a huge amount of them that have survived unsealed and the ones that are out there the boxes are pretty pretty ropey yeah I, I you know talking about it now i wonder why i've never picked one up and that's maybe the reason plenty of loose plenty of loose ones though <laughs> yeah it's quite a thing it's a, it's a big chunky lump of plastic isn't it oh wow so that's it for 1981 quick quick, quick visit craig <laughs> So on to 1982. Dexy's Midnight Runners had the biggest selling single with Come On Eileen. Wacko Jacko thrilled us with Thriller as the biggest selling album. And Preview is the biggest selling album of 1983 as well. Bond raked up the most viewers again, this time with The Spy Who Loved Me receiving 23 million viewers, beating out Star Wars, which only had 16 million viewers in its premiere that year. And E.T. melted the hearts of UK cinema goers, taking 12 million at the box office. These are toys. These are little men. This is Greedo. And then this is Hammerhead. See, this is Walrus Man. And then this is Snaggletooth. And this is Lando Calrissian. See? And this is Boba Fett. And look, they can even have wars. The UK box office that year, just to quickly touch on this, just to look at the other films that are in the top 20, it's not all of them, but as well as E.T., you had Rocky 3, Star Trek 2, Mad Max 2, Poltergeist, Tron, Blade Runner, First Blood, and one of my favourites, The Thing. So what That's a, year a for pretty movies. impressive lineup. That is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I great mean, year for movies. What, what, did you, what did you get now? Bugger all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all those films. I still, I've probably seen three or four of those films this year again on repeat, but I still see them watching. I'm rather do it as well. I've watched them. And... <laughs> all right, so we're getting near the end now. We're on the 45 backs, John. We're on to the 45 A's, which is the most American-type card that Palatoid did, having a big offer. On the front of the card, which is a Bounty Hunter offer, that saw the debut of eight new figures. So we had Luke Hoff, which was long awaited, because as many did, we used to play with the Rebel Soldier yeah, as definitely. he was Luke Hoff. We had the Attack Commander, the Cloud Car Pilot, C-3 pair removable limbs, and R2-D2 with the sensor scope. We had the Bespin Security Guard in black, and we had Forlom and the TIE Fighter Pilot. That's to see him in Dengar didn't debut on the 45A as well. On the back of the cards, there's two of these figures that are not shown, and that's Forlom and the TIE Fighter pilot, presumably too late release to be printed on that card. It's the only Palatoy card with an offer on the front. You say you say it's, it's a very American-looking card with the stain. I take it you're not a big fan of this one, John. To be honest, it, it's probably my least favourite card because that Bounty Hunter logo, that blocks away a lot of the lovely images, especially like things like Luke Hoff. I just think the, the 45B looks so much nicer and you can see that picture without any interference. So it would have been awesome if they did like a 41 back Luke Hoff. But there's quite a few guys that really love the 45A. chap called Joey Jordan, He he was a major 45A collector at one point. Some some of the earlier figures on this card are pretty tough to get, so that's a bit of a challenge trying to collect all those. I mean, me me personally, when I did it, I just sort of took quite an easy route compared to many. I just, I just went for the debut, so I just ended up getting those eight 
figures I mentioned, non 45A. Out of those eight, the C3 pair removal limbs is, is the toughest. I mean, that, that is difficult. And then you've got, yeah, your Luke Koff and your Cloudcar pilot that seem to be next in line. I'd say probably something like the, the Black Bespin Guard is probably one of the easiest to get. Like like anything, you know, certain things that were quite gettable a few years ago seem to have all disappeared. Forlom's not overly easy to get today, and at one point that was very easy. It's interesting how things change. That, that one thing to note, like it's, 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 it applies to the 3PO and the Dengar. When they came out the, on the 45A, the the bubble types were like sort of ahead of their time because the 3PO is quite unique because it's got a very thin single stem. There's no footer in the 3PO or the Dengar, but as I say, they've got these amazing bubbles on them. Yeah, I don't think any of the other debuts have got those type of bubbles. They've, they've got footers. Who can challenge the might of the Imperial forces? Who dares defy Darth Vader? Who can command the Millennium Falcon? Who can bring victory to the Rebels? You can, with Star Wars toys. And then we've got the B version, which is uh, quite a big departure for Palatoy cards. That that era, like the 1982, the, the logo had completely gone. So if you want Zuckus, which is like the last one in the Empire range, you, you either get him on a Dutch import 45B, or you get him on a Kenner card that's got the big Palatoy sticker on the back of the card, and that's the only way to get a Zuckus. There, there were rumours at one point he was seen on a 45A, but that's not the case. Got him. I, I got him on the, the Dutch import card. And then you continue on with the theme that Forlom, TIE Fighter Pilot and Zuckus aren't on the reverse of that. On the reverse yeah, of that yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But do we know why under the Empire logo and it carried on into Jedi on these kind of new new style Palatoy cards? Why you got kind of got that black block under the logo? Yeah, it's it's an odd one. I I, I don't know anything about the reasoning for that. And it's interesting. I mean, it, there's other subtle differences because it's got a far more metallic look to it. If you look, it's got like far more yeah prominent silver lines, so diagonal lines across the card. And on the 45A, there's one Empire logo where. The metallic look is completely non-existent. There's others where it's a bit more subtle. The 30 back, they've got that metallic look, but it's it's far more subtle. And I think it's completely lost on the 45A. So it's, it's just like a really clean looking Empire logo and there's no metallic look on there at all. There's no like diagonal silver silver bits on it. I know it's a bit sad to notice all this stuff, but... <laughs> It, but you're it, right, it's it definitely is, more it, prominent on the Yeah, on, on, on the, the point I've been. It's, very, it's almost grey, like grey streaks going through the, yeah. the white lines. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah, at one, I mean, at one point they got really popular. There was a few guys really gunning for these. A lot of people don't realise that there's some, some of the rarest mint on cars are on, on the 45B line. There's, there's some that have yet to be found. A lot of people like it because it's just such a clean looking card front. I really like it. And the Cloud Car Pilot absolutely pings on that. That's interesting because usually when you when you're going forward like the the detail and the effort is sort of greatly reduced as you move forward you know people they cut corners but it's the opposite with the cloud car pilot because on the 45a which is a debut it just says cloud car pilot but on the 45b it says twin pod cloud car yes. pilot. yeah yeah it's a much nicer nameplate it, it is it, it's a it's a much nicer looking card i think you've got no footers on these as well on these bees there's no the took away the footers. totally gone yeah great great if you want to do a reseal <laughs> very true yeah because a lot of people come unstuck it's quite difficult to find some of those footers 
For, for me, some of these characters, I, I mentioned that 2-1-B was the, the first one I remember getting in, in a toy shop. And for the record, R2, first R2-D2 was my very first Star Wars figure, but I just don't remember getting it. It was, it was like, it's like bought for me. But 2-1-B was the one I remember getting in a shop. But the Christmas I remember most fondly is the Christmas I got Bestman Security Guard, Twin Pod Cloud Car, Attack Commander, uh, TIE Fighter Pilot. It was pretty much that whole sort of tranche. And I also got the Battle Damaged X-Wing. You know, it was, it was that, that Christmas. And Cap 2, oh. it, that for me was like my Star Wars Christmas. And it, if, if you'd probably like lay it out, it wasn't anything massive. Like I said, the X-Wing was probably the biggest thing I got. And then it was like lots of action figures. But That's whenever a pretty I... impressive haul, Dave. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> we, we, yeah, yeah. But like when I, whenever I see the best bin security guard car back or like the twin pod cloud car pilot car back or attack driver i just always think of that christmas because it, it was the most star wars stuff i ever got in one lot in one go if that makes sense and it was just like oh my god this is jackpot it's a lovely memory you've got with that that's brilliant yeah i so always nice. I always really associate, and it, and it is literally because it's all that wave of figures. It wasn't all of them, but like th- th- those four in particular, I always associate with that Christmas because it was just like, wow, that's so cool. And then I think I lost the Cloud Cars communicator <laughs> within like hours. That's <laughs> a, a good £70 worth today. Oh my God, really? Jeez. Yeah, really. Um, that communicator is expensive. And where, where I mentioned the, the die-cast Twin Pod Cloud Car, that was the same Christmas as well. So I just remember nice. sort of almost grouping everything together and like just like, oh, my trip. Mm. You know, it was, it was just so cool. And it's wow. it like really fond memories. Darth Vader has found the hiding place of the Millennium Falcon. Come on, R2, let's get out of here. It's Darth Vader! Stand by, he's coming in to attack. Don't lose him! Easy does it. Is this the end of Darth Vader? Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. So, Pete, do you want to take us take us home then with the uh, vehicles, playsets, and creatures from 1982? Indeed, indeed. So we got the, the second release of the X-wing on its second Dagobah box. As I mentioned earlier, so we had new new box art with the X-wing facing the other way. Ken had decided the first version wasn't good enough, so they wanted to to up it. So the Pally Toy version was was updated. Then with the Pally Toy logo on there. So again, we got the slightly airbrushed version of this, like getting rid of the electronics and the activation button. Although I think both X-Wings have been found in this box generally we had the, the white X-Wing and this was the battle damaged X-Wing so it came with the it was the original X-Wing with the, the battle damaged sheet of stickers but I think the grey versions have been found with this with the, the American grey X-Wing with the sort of the smoke sort of glass canopy been found in this quite a, quite a random one to change the boxes within the same sort of release that was obviously happening pretty quick on that we also got the Tauntaun with open belly so after the first Tauntaun had three different boxes this one was pretty much standardised very similar to the US release just with the Pally Toy logo and you've got some Bounty Hunter logos on there as well as similar with the Wampa 
We've got exactly the same as the US release, but again with a Palisoy logo. It looks great. All those sort of, I've got them all lined up in my collection. The, the original Tauntaun, the Hoth, Wampa, and the Split Belly Tauntaun, all with the, the Palisoy logos. looks fab. You can, that whole Hoth range you can pretty much get. It's a notably uh, smaller box on the open belly as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you can get all of those, all the Hoth stuff. It just looks great. Cause you can get it all with the Palitoy logos apart from the, the damn asset. I can't believe they dropped it off <laughs> that final piece of the, the piece of the puzzle. And then we had the slave one, which was, I guess, the, the one of the major releases of that year. The one they sold, sold the most of. I remember this very fondly as a, as a kid and seeing this a lot with the, the original ESB Palitoy release. The box was, very similar to the states but we had the inserts were part of the the box flaps i think they sort of folded in to protect the toy whereas the u.s version you got the different inserts sitting around the toy that that actually slid into the box ours were actually part of the original outside of the box and then on play sets you've got the the dagobah play sets which was the same toy as the u.s but again we had the, the inserts were different they were part of the box the print was the whole box as well rather than the US which had the line art version and this was sadly to say that the first playset without the, the Palitoy logo they dropped it on this one this was the first one to, to not have that Palitoy logo on there they also had two mini rigs at the end of the line we touched on those earlier but in 82 we got the INT4 and the CAP2 and then the final vehicle probably the biggest one of the lot we got the ATAT finally which just sort of looking online is sort of a bit of debate where they were manufactured. I think they were certainly put together in in Colville because there's archive video footage. You can see the people on the the production line snapping the legs into place. So they were certainly put together in Colville. So whether they were actually sort of whether the, the, the pieces were were made there, whether they were actually pressed in in the UK or not, or whether they were shipped in and, and made together there. We got the same box art as the US, and we kept that one. That one box for the whole of the Empire Strikes Back era. Again, their logo was on there, but it became so so familiar with that image because it was also on the back of the the product poster. We would have all all received. It looks fantastic. You don't see many of those in that good a condition. I found online today there was an Alpha 85 version. I think it'd gone through Hakes. It just looks absolutely stunning. And that was it. That was the the range that year. Bad, isn't it? When you look at it this way year by year, how much? I mean, you'd think the first year we got what? What did I say? Four. Four vehicles, second year, three play sets, and then boom, you get all of this stuff and an Atta. It's like, wow. You know, they're yeah, still yeah. really going for it. The Atta is, is just, it's, yeah. It's I, I, you know, I, I've, I've got a vivid memory of first seeing the Atta. I, um, I was standing outside Argos and some guy walked out with one in his arms and this guy was probably oh, wow. about as big as I am now. So I'm staring at this like six foot plus big guy and he's holding this Atta. And I, I think I would have been blown over by a feather i think i was <laughs> I, I was so taken back by the depth of the asset box like comparing it to say like a falcon box it, it was so yeah. much more wider and deeper yeah that that still probably remains as my most wow factor christmas present ever i've got, got a funny that. story about the attack i um i don't know if still, i ever tell it um do you guys know <laughs> mac yeah do you guys know macros yeah i don't know if they're around anymore there used to be one in in uh in acton and my dad, my dad's lorry driver, he used to be only driver, had his own trucks anyways, he parked near there, and every so often on the way home, we'd stop and go in. But in the early 80s, you had to be over 16 to go in. Right. And one time, he left me in the car and went in, and I was like, I must have been like, I can't only been like four or five, 
in a car on my own beside the car and I got scared. So I ran into the shop. My dad's been in there like 10, 15 minutes. He's gone to pick something up. So I've run in and gone to the security guard and the customer services. I'm in tears. They, I imagine they put a tannoy out for my dad oh. or something. <laughs> While I was in there, they had a display on. And I don't know if it was a macro zone display, but oh. it was it was like two or three hours in this glass cabinet, all with a snow scene. Wow. Um, Luke hanging off the bottom of the snow of the, the attap and they had oh, snow man. speeders going around it and it, it burnt into my brain and uh, yeah I, I Trauma. did get an I, yeah, yeah, yeah but I did get an attap I don't know whether it's because of that or not but yeah I got one <laughs> got a similar story but without the trauma um, <laughs> and and loose, loose almost the same thing but like scaled right back Debenhams department store Bournemouth to this day where we were out at, they had like a, a very old fashioned lift yeah where you had like the corrugated shutters across them we were waiting for the lift because we were going to buy a bit of carpet or a carpet or something like that and I swear one of my sisters pushed me because the lift had arrived and they were like go on get in because I was like right at the front but like there was there was nobody you know it wasn't enough for like all five of us to get in you know this is like mum and dad as well so I just walked in and then they shut the lift door <laughs> and then I just like go off leaving the rest everybody else behind and it opened up on the toy floor so I just got out and I went to the toy the Star Wars bit and this was at the point in time when you would have the toys actually out of the boxes you know as you know that you could almost sort of see them and, and play with them my parents were then frantic trying to find you know it's almost like a home alone type uh, incident anyway one of my sisters then found me in the toy department this is like about 20 minutes later and i'm just like they're playing with like the toys <laughs> i then get escorted you know frog marched up to like the fifth or sixth <laughs> floor where it was like the persian carpets or whatever it was that were rugs that we were buying and because i i then said well i was just like staying put because I thought that would be the best thing to do, you know, like trying to avoid getting told off because I, I, I was, tr- I think it was Julia. I swear she pushed me, <laughs> but like they, they, they were having none of it. Uh, so like to avoid like a big kicking off, I then got my ATAT driver for being a good boy for staying, but, but I didn't like go find like a, a shop clerk or get an announcement out or anything like that. I just went to the toys. Yeah, that was, that was getting lost in the department store, but getting an ATAT driver as a result. Did, did so, you? Uh, did you get two asset drivers though? Because the top, because <laughs> the, the only figures that I got multiples of as a as a kid were stormtroopers, yeah. and I got I got two asset drivers because just to put in the head of the asset. I didn't get an asset as a kid. Okay. And where you were saying earlier about Hoff's uh, rebel soldier was. Your Luke Skywalker, that was yep. the thing for me as well. I did that, yep. but I also got the attack driver before I got a stormtrooper because I, oh, I remember okay. I, c- I couldn't get a stormtrooper for love nor money. So when I got the attack driver, that was my default stormtrooper for however many. Wow, that's it, 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 it felt like a lifetime, but it was probably only a couple of months. But like, yeah, I, stormtrooper and the original farm boy Luke, you just yeah. couldn't find for love yes. nor money. And I'm always so, fascinated to hear what people found hard to get i mean i, I ended up with three i say i only had three stormtroopers but i tend to remember them sort of being around no, it, it was it was there were certain figures i was always like looking for and then and, and then if I, I remember so like luke bespin for example i remember finding that in john menzies again in bournemouth wow. and 
I wasn't letting go of this thing. Like, no. literally. And I, I remember <laughs> kicking off. <laughs> wow. you know, uh, it, it's like, like, no, you don't understand. It's the one I've always wanted and all yeah, this sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, well, I, I got mine from House of Holland. One of mum's friends found it for me. Cause that, that was something I was really after. And yeah. was, that was hard to find. I remember being over the moon to get that. Bloody kids. <laughs> Have you got any childhood trauma shirt stories? You want to <laughs> 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 uh, round this therapy session off. Yeah. It's not Star Wars related, but uh, I remember my brother, I remember getting on an escalator in Orders in Croydon and then my brother just didn't follow and just let me drift off, off the escalator. <laughs> <laughs> the AT-AT attacking Luke Skywalker's rebel base. Can Luke in his snowspeeder halt the Imperial Walker? We're going to head back over to Craig for a final time this show, which, given the shortage of Beyond the Toys items this year, it might be a really quick visit. <laughs> Let's move on to 1982 then, Craig. So I think Dave's mentioned this already, hasn't he? The Atari 2600 game. Yes. Which, you know, is branded Parker Brothers, but was packed and distributed by Palatoy in the UK. So, again... Uh, similar to the Airfix, not not strictly speaking a Palatine branded product, but you know, given the lack of, you know, <laughs> it says Palatine on the box, so I'm gonna. There's <laughs> Palatine in small print, and it's. Obviously, <laughs> I didn't know. It's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? How that I did I didn't have a clue that those that there was a, a Palatine had anything to do with it. You know, any shape or form with those video games and. I had an uh, Atari 2600. I, it was the second day of my when I was a kid, and I had a bags full of games. And within those games, there was posters for the games you could get. And I remember seeing that Empire Strikes Back game and always wanting it. It looks like quite an interesting game. I watched a couple of videos on YouTube. There's a great ad for it as well. And if you had a chance to click on the link for that, it's, it's packed with uh, Frogger. This is the new Frogger home video game. Ribbit. It's just like the arcade game. You have to hop Frogger past these cars and trucks. Ha, missed. And back home to his lily pad. The new Frogger home video game. Bring it back to your pad. Also from Parker, Star Wars. You saw Luke Skywalker battle the Imperial Walker. Now bring the battle home. Play The Empire Strikes Back where the challenge never ends. The Empire Strikes Back. Ribbit. And Frogger video games. Only from Parker. I'm not a big gamer by any stretch, but back in the day, I think I plateaued with this game. I loved it. I Did you play it then? You played it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, absolutely okay. adored it. And there was something about the motion of it that, that really worked. And yeah, yeah, you know, your snow speeder was six pixels or whatever. But the way it moved and the way it, you, you had that joystick, joystick controller, you had to hit the ATAT so many times for it to get weak and blow up. Right. Or there right, was a okay. specific spot under the chin, I think. Right, okay. Or pixel, and if you hit that, that was like a dead switch, and it would and it would blow. It was just very simple, but it's very pure. I've got a lot of time for it. So, yeah, well, that, 1982. What else did we have then, advertising-wise, and for the period, Craig? So, I think I'm right in saying is the first Palatoy ad of the Empire era was an ad that was headlined, Can the Empire Ever Be Destroyed?, and what it did was, I, I think, probably picked up where the Brian Bolland sort of comic book style ads uh, left off. And it runs as a little 
comic strip on a on a single page, but very very cleverly builds in all the the ships and key figures from that first wave of stuff in 1980. So we've got uh, Luke and Leia on uh, on Hoth. We see uh, a Tauntaun. We've got IG-88 and Bosk, um, Snowspeeder, Yoda, Cloud Car Pilot, and, and Landos. So they're all kind of brought into play rather smartly, I think. Until you read the bottom of the panel, when I looked at it, it doesn't really scream that it's, it's anything to do with the toys. No, no. but And that's a technique they used a lot, isn't it? When you look at things like confectionery, other other toy lines, it was a technique that kind of advertorial almost, you know, where they make an article look like it's, or make an advert look like it's an article that's part of a magazine. It's tried and tested that it looks like part of the comic that you're reading. Yeah, do we know who drew it? Was it not if it's not Brian? Do we know who did draw it? I'm not sure. But you can t- you can tell it sort of takes influence. If you look at that Tie Fighter, it's sort of the way that. Yeah, it all sits in well with those other. Yeah. Those other pieces. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the the crossover, isn't it, between what they like you said what they did previously in the 70s through to the 80s, and then yeah, went off and did something else after that. Yeah, what we saw in the Empire era, as opposed to the Star Wars era, is Palatine get very offered. I think it was probably enough just to say. The toys of the film are here. Come and get them, kids. But they get a little bit more, you know, marketing-led, as previously discussed already. The um, the mail-aways that all prompted their own ads. So you had the FET uh, and the Dengar advertising that appeared in a lot of the, the kids' press at the time. I think certainly the FET was a leaflet that you could pick up in. You could pick up in the in the stores. But there were some really nice ads that that tied these mm-hmm. on. So the, the the Vader carry case is a is a lovely ad that that promotes the bounty hunter collector scheme. Uh, we've got the display arena ad as well, which is a lovely. You know, they they adopted this sort of art style where they were the point of view was at the figures' feet. You know, so you yeah. think about the, the the Fet and the Dengar. It was making them look larger than life, and that was carried through to to the display arena as well. You know, you, you're looking at at the baseline and or the horizon line and, and they're all kind of towering above you in the ad and I think it just makes for really kind of arresting imagery and that display that display arena one's particularly nice because it's in colour it's yeah. one of one of the few that are in colour but there was a there was another one that ran I think it was 81 which doesn't quite tally up with what the offer was but it was to visit Elstree and, and meet some of the stars which they'd previously done with the droid drawer droid thing but this was an ad that ran again in, in kids comics and things running looking I'm sure it ran in Star Wars Weekly readers were asked to create and name a new bounty hunter uh, and the ad for that one's got all the, the kind of team running out down a corridor being chased by Vader and it's got Leia in a kind of hoth gear so you've got quite a history of writing for these things do you remember entering that at all <laughs> I don't remember seeing that one okay I think that the, the droid factory one really yeah caught my imagination the competition element doesn't come across in the app at all no Whereas, you know the, the droid factory uh, the, the the drawer droid designer droid whatever it was you know had R2D2 at a drawing board it was very evident what that was, and they did a colouring competition later on in for Jedi. But I don't know. This just seems to be well. We know it. We know the ads ran, but I've not seen any follow up of who won or any bounty hunters that you know were named and showcased on the back of it. Until you start digging into these things, it was like the forlorn. They never did. Although it was, there was it was offered in the UK. It was primarily on the back of Kenner imported card backs with a palatoid label on the back saying "Write in to get your with your name plates to get." fall on but there wasn't an, an equivalent of the what they did with Dengar and Boba Fett for that 
No, you're right. Absolutely right. So it would have been purely advertised on the backs of card backs, and you wouldn't, unless you bought, happened to be somewhere where you'd get a Kenner import card back with that sticker on, you, you wouldn't even know it was there. No, and it, it passed me by. I did the FET offer, I did the Dengar offer. I was all over that carry case. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe um, it's quite it's quite interesting so when dave was talking about that earlier he was talking about the cost of the postage on it right i think, I think when we looked at the we had we pulled a couple of leaflets out i think john had a bounty hunter leaflet i had one as well in front of me his one said it was six pound postage mine said it was eight so obviously as the line went on the price of postage was going up but it was like to get the dengar was like 14 pence yeah. in both instances but that that would have been quite a pricey thing to have posted to your house if you got one yeah, but it was the only way you could get it. You could, you, they never released it, did they, in, in stores? So unless no. it sort of came through on a bit of a grey import later down the line. And it just really appealed to me hugely because it, it was witty, you know? It, mm. it, it was Darth Vader's sort of head and shoulders and who doesn't want somewhere to keep all their figures and their accessories. Yeah, here's a fun fact. My existing uh, snow trooper from that era has a little circular divot in it from the time I accidentally tried to close the door of the accessory chamber onto the little vinyl skirt. Oh dear. <laughs> oh no, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the point of sale stuff, there wasn't a huge amount that they did in that era, surprisingly, considering what we saw, you know, over in the States, they got hanging bells and all sorts of beautiful display pieces. We didn't get a huge amount in the UK. Yeah, which probably speaks to the their retail setups really i think you know they were yeah. well after the, the curve when it came to supermarkets and, and big retailers where you know toy shops in the uk were still kind of mom and pop affairs for the most part so our point of sale was was much more low-key yet still very stylish and i think is very prized by collectors because it is quite minimal and it is quite you know iconic isn't it so there's the shelf talkers with the empire logo would be one example of that but the the daddy of them all is the, is the big sign, you know, the big hanging Palatoy's unique Empire logo just on a cutout, which I believe you have one. I do. And it is great. I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, as an Empire Strikes Back collector as well, it's just, it's the pinnacle for me. It's, it's great. I think, you know, when I look at all my favourite items, it's hard not to call that out. It's great. It just looks so, it, I've got it hanging from the ceiling on a couple of bits of fishing wire. And it's the first thing you see when you walk in. And yeah, it's, it's never got boring. No. <laughs> no, I can, uh, I can see why. No, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing and, uh, a good place to end our empire section, I think. Yeah. I think the only other bits I was just going to call out, Craig, is there are, there are a few images online of various, I don't know if they're custom built. There's, there's, there's that falcon in that perspex dome that, that went, went under the hammer at Christie's a few years ago. Have you, have you seen that? Yeah, the one, was it from Roman Parish? Yeah, and I, I suppose when we talk about independent toy stores, you can you can almost, you can see it then, can't you? They're, they're doing their own thing. But there's, there, there were some great examples of that through the years, but I think that's probably the earliest one I've, I've seen an image of. Yeah, and toy shops did that back then, didn't they? Yeah. You know, we used to see them, Britain's farmlands and toy soldiers, and they'd have these little vitrines that they'd dedicate space to on the shelves, and it just brought those toys to life in a way that just seeing it all boxed and racked didn't. So yeah, that is quite a, a famous example. Well, a famous survivor anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame it's all sun damaged, but yeah, it is pretty cool. I um I spoke earlier in the show about taking a 12-inch FET 
and painting it to look like the three and three quarter inch. I painted it blue and doing all the detailing on it because of the advert. Obviously, Dave tells the story in the show about the advert. But that I was looking at, at that that Falcon display, and that's another one I'd quite fancy recreating if we ever have another pandemic or I get a bit of time to myself. I'd, I'd quite fancy building myself one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's doable. I don't know about the perspex bit, but the rest of it seems pretty um, hammer and nails. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned kit bashing the Boba Fett. I think that was a thing at the time. You know, I, I've got an example of somebody who'd taken a, a 12-inch Boba Fett and reposed it and filled in the gaps and, and painted it like a, like a model kit. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But that's it then. So thanks for all of that, Craig. That's been, that's been great. You're very welcome. I'll see you next time. <laughs> Okay, so what was released in the USA but not in the UK? So in 1980, they got the IG-88 12-inch. They got the die-cast tie bomber, the Hoff Ice Planet playset, the Cloud City playset, the series exclusive. They got two six-packs, so the red and the yellow. They got four special action figure sets, so they're the three packs. Star Wars vinyl carry case, so that was the original one with the ESB logo plastered over it. The Hoff Ice Planet Adventure game, the Yoda Jedi Master game. They got switcheroos, they got a toothbrush, and they got colouring books. And then in 1981, there was the the reworked version of the Imperial Troop Transport, or the Imperial Cruiser with all the electric stripped out, which was a Sears exclusive. The Rebel Command Center, another Sears exclusive. They got the first proper ESB vinyl case, someone with a nice artwork on the front, and they got five more three-backs. Then in 1982, the Americans got the Micro Collection, so that was the Death Star World, the Bespin World, the Hoff World, and all the various playsets that made those up. They also got Micro Collection versions of the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, Snowspeeder, and the Millennium Falcon. There was the Empire Strikes Back Vinyl Carry Case 2, that's the one with the Wamper image, which is harder to get, and they had several more items that we would get in the UK in 83, which were the Scout Trooper, the Rebel Troop Transport, and Tripod Laser Cannon, the Vehicle Maintenance Energizer, and the Radar Laser Cannon. So, guys, lucky enough to go to America in 1982 on your plane again. What are you going to get out of that little lot? If, if I'm honest, going to be the micro collection because my mate Thomas, I think it was with his ATAT, it was a Kenner one. It was that packing catalogue where it was the silver cover of like the Hoff battle scene. And inside it's got like the, the micro collection. And I remember seeing it and we, we both thought we couldn't get our heads around it as to what it was. We actually thought it was action figure scaled. So when you saw the best bin freeze chamber and like the ion cannon, we thought it was that big because wow. uh, it was for your action figures. And we're like, what is this? We don't understand. Why can we not get it? And then there was, I can't remember the figure, but like where they would quite often put the, the, the stickers over the car back. I managed to peel it away and it was the one where it's got the micro collection underneath the, wow. the card back. And it's like, oh my God, there it is again. It's like, you know, you got like these trench scenes with, with like the generator and, and what have you and, and, and turrets. And I was like, oh my God, I don't understand it. I need to get this, whatever it was. So I think it would be that because I was completely perplexed and, and was just like, what is this? It's just so cool. And uh, imagine the disappointment 1994 <laughs> when I then bought a, <laughs> a, a Hoff Defend micro collection set. I mean, it's still cool, <laughs> but like it was one of the first things I bought when I like got back into collecting and I paid way over the odd. But it's because I didn't have it. It's like, oh my God, that's what it is. I got to get it. Like, I don't care. And I think it was about 40 quid for a an open box one which might 
by, you know, fast forward almost 30 years, you like go, oh, that's cheap. It wasn't back then. Like, hell no. Um, but like, I needed to satisfy my curiosity as to what those things were. Definitely. And it all dates back to like looking through that catalogue. <laughs> Sticking with the old micro stuff, I'm I'm pretty impressed with that oh. Falcon because whereas the uh the, the big toy version has only got the the gun on the top, the, the the micro version has got the the gun at the bottom as well, underneath. So it's a bit more accurate to the actual Falcon. You can have that one, mate, because you can get that in your suitcase. You can take the box for that one. <laughs> yeah, and a bit like Dave, I, my my attack was Kenner Import. It was the late one with the survival kit offer on the box, eighty two, and inside it had like the silver mini Hoff catalogue. Yeah. And that's that's when I first laid eyes on the micro stuff. And yeah, that was it was quite impressive to see, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, I'll I'll take the Falcon. Are you Pete? Yeah, I think it's quite timely. I've got to go for the the IG88, the, the large yeah. size IG88 doll. Finally picked one of those up a couple of weeks ago. So only forty three years too late. So I should have gone on holiday in nineteen eighty and got one then. It would have saved me a whole lot of grief and a whole lot of cash. I think that's the standout and stuff you don't see. And I think a lot of the, the the allure at the time of this was things you didn't know about and things you got glimpses of and things you'd heard rumours of that might be available. But imagine if you walked into into F.A. Schwartz in 1980 and saw a bo- load of those boxed up, you would have been blown away by that. Sorry. Yeah, I'll go with the idea. So, I, so I, I'd like to think that i pick up, uh, I don't know, uh, a three-pack or a maybe the, the Cloud City playset. But I think the reality is I'd have probably picked up a Scout Walker because I'm not full <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> Yeah. I'd have probably got that and gone, wow, look what I've got, and then yeah, they would have come out the following year. <laughs> One of the best things that ever happened is about to happen again. The Empire strikes back. Han Solo is back. <laughs> Fuzzball. Princess Leia is back. I just assumed as a Wookiee. I can arrange that. Yoda's back. In fact, the whole gang is back. Join me. The Empire Strikes Back for a special limited engagement. Rated PG. Wait for me! Now playing at a theater near you. So as we close out 1982, late October saw the premiere of Star Wars on television in the UK, which in addition to the double bill of Star Wars and Empire, which was continuing to screen in cinemas, these were two well-timed events. Not only was it close enough to Christmas for children to get their Star Wars Christmas list into Father Christmas for Palatoy's range, it also helped the release of the new Star Wars movie, The Revenge of the Jedi, which was due out the following year. Got any memories of seeing Star Wars in the telly in 82? Hell yeah! I was there with my video recorder. Had a, and, a patchy top loader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Panasonic top loader. So for me, it was really significant because so I remember endlessly renting Empire Strikes Back from the video rental place. But I, I can't I don't know if Star Wars was available. So it was my first experience of seeing Star Wars as a Star Wars fan was like watching that TV thing. So we recorded it. But because I've got a funny feeling it just wasn't available. And we take turns each week to as to what we were going to like rent. And I'd always rent Empire Strikes Back, which would wind the crap out of my sisters. Because they're, <laughs> you, you know, they were, to give you some some sort of metric, they are six and eight years older than me. So there was quite a considerable age gap when I was a kid. You know, they're like probably, you know, Kath was like probably in her teen years and wanting to like get whatever 
chick flick com- rom com whatever thing or whatever. But like when it when it came round to my turn, it was always <laughs> like Empire Strikes Back is like no. That's where they yeah. pressure you the list now. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Oh, I tell you what, the stories I could tell you, but the <laughs> recording that off the telly was such a big deal. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was an event, wasn't it? I remember it being yeah. just mad. Everyone was just hyped for it, and I would have been eight by then, so well and truly engaged and and up yeah. to it. Yeah, me too. It was just oh, more yeah. special, wasn't it? Because you know you had to wait till Christmas or Easter to see these blockbuster films. It's not like today; you can just watch them whenever you want. I oh, am yeah. so, my gra- my granddad. He taped it for me off the telly, and I remember what? being around it. And I can't remember if it was before or after I'd got any Star Wars toys because I know we're we're giving John a bit of about his age but I'm, I'm probably about the same age as him to be honest so I hadn't seen Star Wars and yeah he gave me this cassette and said oh, I think you'll like this and I remember the tape it was a Granada had a green sticker on it or a green logo on it white label with a green logo on it and he scrawled Star Wars across it and I must have watched that a million times and Brilliant. yeah and it all it all started there for me having that video cassette I mean we, 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 we didn't have a video recorder till probably the late 80s I don't I think the first colour TV we got was in 1986, and it was like a Ferguson colour TV. So, you know, I was shocked when I first saw Oscar Grouch in colour. <laughs> like, it was like, it was ridiculous, it was green. Because it was like always like a dirty, I don't know, like brown or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Star Wars, a breathtaking adventure, coming soon on ITV. And that's just one of the big films you can see over the next few weeks here on ITV. Very good. So for each of us, of the 30 action figures and 17 creatures, vehicles and playsets, three die-cast ships and large-sized action figures that Palatoy released in between 80 and 82, what are the standout items from these three years? I don't think it's going to be as clear-cut as last time. I would want to say, really, I, although I never had it, I had a friend who did, but it, it, the Atat, um, because it, it, it was just enormous, it was in, yeah. you know, and incredibly sculpted. It was, you know, it was articulated, and the fact that be, because the way it almost had a like, <coughs> ratchet, like, leg joints allowed you to almost have it doing the stomping motion onto other figures or the snow speeder if you were going to do that but it it really was like you know if if the falcon was the holy grail of star wars a new hope really the attack for me has to the the jewel in the crown for for the empire line because it is just so cool and massive you know it really the the word the empire strikes back it really was like there's nothing that can really kind of take this thing down except like a bit of fishing wire and a harpoon but it it, it was it's just incredible and the 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 fact that instead of the like that you had with the the falcon it was like but like the the chin guns would actually move and light up as well i mean it's like oh my god and you had like the lever you know you could like move the head around like that it was just so good so cool loved it 
Yeah, I'm going to echo Dave. It is the asset. It, it, when that came out, that was just a, a hot piece to get. I think the, the Falcon almost disappears when the asset came out in terms of like what you were focusing on because of all what Dave said. It was just incredible. I mean, to, to have the motion chin guns, you know, and to light up. We, I don't think. I mean, the snowspeeder is pretty impressive with with its lighting guns, but they they didn't obviously move. So yeah, yeah, asset for me as well. Kate, going to round it out with the asset? I'm not, no, I'm going, um, I'm going the whole Boba Fett campaign and figure and everything that went with it. I think they sort of really summed up well early and how well they did that and the the, the art and the, the release of that and how we got it across all the comics and TV and then just sort of the, the release of this sort of mysterious figure that we didn't we didn't know much about and hadn't seen up until then. And then I didn't get mine in. I got mine on. Oh, I don't know what car back it was. I remember sort of getting that, and I remember the buzz around that figure when it when it finally came out, and just yeah, it was one of the best car backs still as well. And what what that's gone on to become, yeah, they knew what they were doing, they knew the what they had in that property and that character. So yeah. My most of my collection is based around Empire Strikes Back, and everything we've spoken about tonight is something that I love. You know, the the Palatoy hanging signed the Empire Strikes Back logo is kind of front and center in my collection. It is just an awesome logo. I know that's not palatoy design but just this whole era like dave was saying is just over me the pinnacle of, of of this range and it's just superb but i think i will have to go the atat <laughs> as my favorite item good, good just because i'll tell you for why just because you it, it just it was played within my house for years even after i finished my brothers had it it fought thundercats it fought transformers he-man <laughs> it you could involve it in everything it yeah. was such a great toy it was brilliant yeah, it's quite clear that the shift to three and three quarter inch is complete. There's no more beyond the toys items. There's no more die cast and twelve inch. They're both dead. It's it's all about the three and three quarter inch now. As we go into the, the next shows, thirty million of you have seen the film. Many will have read the book. Now buy the toys, or at least that's what ten million people in this country have done in the last four years. Luke Skywalker. Glamour and the rest have outsold the amazing Rubik Cube. So why are they so successful? Because it's not just the amazing itself, it's really what they're able to do with the toy. I mean, half of it is in their, their mind. I mean, it's not just the play action of the toy, which happens to be very good, but it's also what they're able to fantasize as they recreate the Star Wars adventure uh, in their own uh, uh, playroom. The Toy Wars have already been won this year before a single advertising shot is fired. Five million of these will have been sold by Christmas. But are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favorite, the teddy bear? In fact, it'll be here uh, 50 years from now, and I imagine that the teddy bear will be. But as a branded product, uh, it will probably outlive most products that you see on, on the market. Now a sneak preview. Admiral Ackbar will be appearing in the next Star Wars film, The Revenge of the Jedi. Will he survive? I'm not saying. But may the Force be with him. Barrett Patel in Colville for Central News. Is there anything you wanted to lay out, Dave, in terms of what was happening at Palatoy at the end of 82? Wow. There, there, is, <laughs> there is a significant product release that they did. So, where we mentioned structural changes there were changes and within the area you had the closing of like the coal pits which was a huge blow to the area that brought on unemployment and there was also rounds of redundancies 
uh, as well, which made the area even harder hit because Palatoy was quite a, a significant employer for the area. But where we were talking about Action Man, Action Man from Palatoy, and that Star Wars started to cannibalise their toy sales. Palatoy started to look at what were the best-selling Action Man toys and then scale them down and create Star Wars-like articulation figures. And in 82, they launched Action Force and they they took the, the key best-selling outfits or the best-selling products. So Deep Sea Diver, Frogman, uh, German Stormtrooper, Australian Jungle Fighter and SAS Trooper. And they added a few extras in there as well. And it was also taking the similar same design as the cardboard Death Star and they redesigned it uh, to make the Action Force headquarters but it was a huge huge success and quickly became the second best selling boys toys after Star Wars so it did unseat the crown from Action Man because uh, you know sales were starting to dwindle and they were looking at like what are we going to do to address this created Action Force we'll touch on in the next episode because there is still like crossovers going on with Star Wars and Action Force in 83 onwards but for 82 they launched Action Force same time Hasbro launched G.I. Joe Action Force pre- predates G.I. Joe by literally only a couple of months, but Action Force would then go on eventually to become synonymous and uh, known as G.I. Joe. But its roots were really looking at Star Wars and how, and, and it was almost going to be its own sci-fi line, but the marketing manager decided to, rather than make it a space line because Star Wars is a space line, let's look at Action Man and take the best-selling Action Man outfits and make those in the same height and scale as, as Star Wars figures, so it was it was also like a, li- a little bit of turmoil going on, but also sales success by taking inspiration from Star Wars and creating a whole new line. A lot more to come within Palatoy, but like eighty two did round off as a as a pretty good year. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker. Han Solo. Princess Leia. Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Chewbacca. C-3PO and R2-D2. And Darth Vader. Generation Skywalker. Between shows, we have over 100 past episodes available on our feeds, including our vintage collecting show, Those Old Fossils, 
our modern shows, The Modern Way, commentaries, interviews and much, much more. On YouTube, you will find enhanced versions of many of our shows, as well as unboxings and other Generation Skywalker related doings. Just search Generation Skywalker. Remember to like and subscribe. On social media, we are active on both Facebook and Instagram. Again, just search Generation Skywalker and follow us for the most up-to-date information on what's happening with Generation Skywalker. And everyone should join the We Are Generation Skywalker group on Facebook to talk directly to other listeners and hosts of the show. Gentlemen, the Empire is well and truly struck back and it's time for us to go. I'd like to thank Craig for his contribution covering the Beyond the Toys and advertising. And I'm looking forward to returning next time to complete the trilogy but for now, it's goodbye from John. Goodbye. Until next time. It's goodbye from Dave. Toodaloo. It's goodbye from Pete. Nice one. Cheers, guys. And it's goodbye from me. We are Generation Skywalker. All errors, all passions, all Star Wars. Bye.